This week's episode is sponsored by Jagged Edge Productions and ITN Studios' Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2. Only in theaters, March 26th to March 28th. The suspenseful and thrilling sequel to last year's immense hit, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, amplifies the gore factor with ten times the number of kills to put fans both new and old at the edge of their seats. After Christopher Robin reveals their existence, Winnie the Pooh, Piglet, Tigger, and Owl land on the endangered species list as hard targets. Unwilling to hide in the shadows, the ultimate scream team embarks on a murderous rampage through the town of Ashdown to get their revenge on Christopher Robin, once and for all. So don't miss out, and mark your calendars to catch the limited engagement of Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2, only in theaters March 26th to March 28th. Tickets are available now. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the deal. It go down. It go down in the deal. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Freddie, also known as Nighty Night. And alongside me across the web, we have Prince. What's up, everybody? Hey, also known as Head Knight. And on the other side of the web, we have David. Are kitties worth it? Yes? No? We're going to find out today. I think so. <laughs> also known as Nightly. <laughs> Uh, we are a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down and discuss the ultimate question, why horror? So hit the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelope you. You can support the show over at patreon.com slash goodnightlife, and that's night with a what? Cake. Love it. By pledging on Patreon, you will have access to the show as early as this Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry about it. There's a new episode that gets released every single Friday on most podcast services around the world. Now, continuing on with our Creature Feature Month, we're going to be talking about one of my all-time favorite movies, for sure, probably, in the, like I said, last week, top three movies of horror, <laughs> Alien. Guys. Oh, man. First and foremost, thoughts. 
Ooh, boy, you already know I love this movie, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, oh, yes. Man, I I absolutely adore Alien. I've always said Alien has always just made sci-fi horror right. And I it, it that's why sci-fi horror, I'm not the biggest fan of sci-fi horror. Um, like I love Event Horizon and I love uh like the fire in the sky and stuff like that. But Alien for some reason they just knew how to take a threat and make it even more threatening when you try to kill said threat. Like what? <laughs> like <laughs> for sure. Blood is acid? It's just like what, how do you defeat this thing? You know? And it, it's it's so 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 well done. I absolutely adore this movie so much. I really like Aliens too. Um but yeah. I'm more of a fan of this than Aliens. Um mainly because this is Aliens is more of an action fucking, movie. It's an action movie, sure. exactly. It's, it's definitely an action movie. Ridley's even more badass um, the, the, than... Oh, Ripley, excuse me, is more badass than ever. And it's just, man, man. David, I do have a question for you. Shoot. Because you're, you're like uh, the Nintendo dude. Uh, <laughs> is Ripley... Or is Ridley from uh, Metroid Prime named after, like, Ridley Scott because of this movie? Because so- Ridley looks very much like... The alien. Mm-hmm. So, or a xenomorph. From my understanding, and Ripley is in, you know, has been in Metroid since the original on the NES, and that was in the mid 80s. Right. Mid to late 80s. Um, and I believe so, from my understanding. Um, I don't know definitely off the top of my head, but I remember thinking that um, Metroid was heavily influenced by Alien and be. With that naming right. convention, right? You can see the inspiration there, but oh, I think so. Yeah. What when we get into the alien ship on the planet that um, our crew lands on? I totally Ooh. saw the Metroid, uh, how Metroid was inspired uh, by this right. movie because it, it's the design of the the walls and the surrounding mm-hmm. was very much akin mm-hmm. to um, environmental design that you see in Nintendo's Metroid series. So I, I totally think you're spot on with that, Prince. Interesting. Yeah, because I've always thought that, and I, I never played Metroid, to be completely honest. But um, I've always thought and assumed that the correlation was the same. But interesting. I, But more specifically, going back into to the movie itself, I one thing that I really do enjoy with this movie is that you do get your very first like extremely badass final girl and it's it's and since then you just kind of get more and more and more like you get um nancy and uh nightmare on elm street after this and and nancy's also really super duper badass you get the mom and child's play which uh she doesn't learn quickly that chucky is (laughs) is crazy as fuck but um she does learn eventually and she becomes a badass mom and uh, a pretty awesome final girl but this movie is like the one that really sparked the awesome final girl trope to me because i mean you did have laurie strode uh, a few years prior to this or a year prior to this and it just it, it it never you never had that awesome final girl like laurie was always kind of afraid and things like that she didn't have the opportunity to fight 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 back um even though like if you want to consider the closet scene and things like that that's fine but when you get ripley like she was just so badass and she was so smart and she didn't take shit and oh man yeah she's how, how the presence in the room 
regardless of who she's talking right. to or what the scene is. It's yeah. Crazy. Like, like everyone paid her with, with respect. And like, it was, it was so fucking cool to see. And she kind of seemed like she was the captain. That's how much like respect I felt like was given to her. Um, yeah. but and she's the third man. officer. So far from it. Right. Exactly. So it's, ugh, man, I absolutely adore uh, Ripley in this movie. I think she's awesome. But how much sexual tension <laughs> or like how horny was that last third act when she's like about to like fight the <laughs> fight the xenomorph to leave? It, it just nothing but just a shirt on. Not even that, like a like a, a tank top and some right. panties and like it's heavily influenced. We got a lot of butt shots in that. We got, we got we got her going into the into the suit and it's just the leg shot going into that suit. Man, I was like, oh, this is this is horny. <laughs> no, yeah, it's okay. It's, it's funny. So Boy. I, in case no one was here, I mean, in case people didn't hear last week, this is my first time seeing Alien. Anything in the Alien series, period. And right. uh, I've it's always been on my list. I've always been excited to tackle the the series and start from the beginning. But one thing, and what I was actually really excited about when I thought about starting this was the final girl, you know, fighting. And I thought that was really cool. Uh, and I'm glad that I got to see it for yeah. myself. But I, it's so funny. I didn't really know anything about this movie, but I did know about the final outfit <laughs> or the <laughs> lack of an outfit, which is funny. It's, yeah. it's funny because I know that's like highly spoken on uh, how sexy it is but also badass uh ripley yeah. is as a character and it's very much i mean sorry it's okay I, I was just gonna say i was just gonna sorry to cut you off i was just gonna say you see this also in texas chainsaw massacre mm-hmm. the 2003 version where jessica beale is initially wearing the same thing yeah it's just like this started the tank top craze with the final girl like it's just it, right. it worked it's it, the crop it top design Right. Yeah, and you're looking, you know, this is 1979, we're getting into the 80s soon, and it's very much, this is what is sex appeal for women, right? Um, we get into the territory where uh, a woman being a badass is uh, seen as attractive for some at this point, whereas before it was very much uh, damsel in distress is how men try to depict women. Um, so mm. it's great to see that it's a, a woman here that, you know, is making all the good calls in the beginning. But sadly, I didn't feel like she was respected, and I felt like it's because of the the fact that she is a woman. And I because I thought straight on early on when she's like trying to make calls, she's like, "I'm in charge." When these people aren't here, and she wasn't being listened to, we find out why later on. But it was That's really um, aggravating for me because I was like, "Yo, listen to her. This woman is very intelligent. She knows what she's talking about. She's making the right calls. And a lot of what happens in the beginning is very much akin to making me think about COVID, right? And quarantining and people in this movie will talk about how they need a quarantine and will disregard completely what they had just spoken on and kind of do the opposite. And I'm like, yo, (laughs) this is the perfect time for me to watch this because it's getting me invested with my emotions because of that solely. but. Ripley as a character, awesome. I I, I did kind of lose it because, um, I mean, and I don't blame her because like with past pets I've had that are cats, I probably would have done the same. But when she went back for Jones, the cat, I was like, oh. girl, like you don't know if he's infected <laughs> or, you know, whatever. 
Um, but hey, you you went for the kitty, and I don't know if that was a good move. And because I mean, I don't know what happens in the rest of the series, right? I'm over here thinking, yo, what if the cat's infected? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and um, you know, she's bringing another uh, life like form over of of xenomorphs exactly over onto mm. it. Sure, and it's funny because I, I don't know if people are hearing me and be like, "Oh, that's really funny that you mentioned that." But yeah, I, I mean, I think this movie was a sick ride, though, especially for 1979. Um, it did have its moments where the dialogue was very much late 70s, but it didn't take me out oh, of yeah. it. You know, um, I like that. The um, I think we're working with a crew of six or seven, right? Uh, In comparison, I think it's like seven, right? I can look at it right now. It's, okay. So one, yeah. two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yep. Yeah. In comparison to the J- Jones. Yeah. <laughs> Jones. <laughs> I count um, Yeah, Jones. In comparison, I, I like how we're in a smaller group here versus the thing because a lo- with the thing, it took me a while to like kind of figure out who was who and with this i was able to latch on very quickly who our crew was which i enjoyed completely Um, agree yeah yeah Uh, i I think that's where it was a stronger a stronger start off for me and very quickly i was like Mm -hmm. i know who's who by name and i know their personalities Mm -hmm. and i know who to have my suspicions on and who to be fishy about and uh that's what i really like because not only is it a really cool isolated experience and we have context on why they go where they go why they're stuck there Mm -hmm. and so on um i think it's also very cool that we see the personalities unfold on these characters so it was it was really fun along with the creepy aspect of it being a creature horror film i love the character the focus on character and that's what really got me right yeah, I I would have to agree with you for sure on that, David. The uh, way that they kind of set everyone up is really fascinating because we, especially the difference in the thing versus this, right, where you do have the opportunity to see all of them together in the beginning. So we, like, we were yeah. introduced to everyone at the same time, mm-hmm. which was nice. Like that, that definitely helps a lot for us to kind of establish not only relationships, but establish initially each person each person we kind of knew right off the bat who we're dealing with here so i absolutely enjoy that a lot yeah same i agree and you guys know me how i feel about (laughs) i adore this movie for several 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 reasons i mean nice thing about it i even love the tagline in space no one can hear you scream it's a very isolated movie they're the ones that have to save themselves just like how we talked about it in the thing uh, all of the characters are super strong. They're all pretty much likable. Um, of course, some of them are a little bit suspicious, and we can get into that a little bit later. But it's one of those things where it's like, I love this movie for one main reason, too. And it's it's the world that they created with this. I was going to add are, on that as well. In the future, we see that we are pretty much colonizing planets, and we're getting refinery equipment out there in space to get supplies and resources. And pretty much we... Even for them, they're not surprised that they're going to run into alien life forms. So it doesn't seem like it's too far out there for them, which I love. And we build that world later on with the sequels and then prequels and stuff like that, too. But I'm a big fan of the Wayland Corporation, not for what they do, but for what they created and what kind of world they live in and how that company runs stuff. 
Um, it's one of those things like Blade Runner has that same effect for me. Uh, there's other mm. 80s movies that have this type of world building, but nothing as good as this one. It's one of those yeah, things. I had like, to, they're great I, at what they do. I have to agree with that because um, it really sets a foundation quickly and seamlessly uh, without trying to shove it down your throat with, um, mm-hmm. you know, trying to cram in all this lore. And that's what I really liked. You you very much know this is the future and this is a norm that they're uh, uh, scavenging for, you know, m- minerals and materials to bring back to Earth. And um, mm-hmm. they very simply explain things like, you know, they get a distress signal when they're in stasis and they're like, it's law. We have to go and look. And it, it gives right. context to why they're doing what they're doing. It's not like uh, me as a viewer. I'm not going like, this is so dumb. Why are you guys doing this? Right. And that's what exactly. I like. Exactly. Like it has purpose. They're literally being. Yeah. They're literally a part of the government, yep. and they have to do it. Yeah. Like it, it's just it, there's literally nothing they could do. It's like uh, kind of like a civil servant in a way where, like, if for example, if Kathleen is at the grocery store and if she sees like a parent or something hit a kid, by law she has to report that. Oh wow. Or if she sees like a parent like grab a kid or whatever because she's a teacher. So, like, mm-hmm. by law, she has to report that. So even if she's not teaching or in that environment, she is still a servant of the government. Therefore, she still has to report that kind of stuff. Right. So it's it's super-duper interesting. Yeah. Because, like, like, even then, like, we, we saw something like like uh, some people, like, smoking or whatever by their kid or something like that. She had to report it. It was just like, yo, don't do this. Like, what are you doing? But, yeah, I, I absolutely, completely love that you guys said that. That they're kind of like they have a reason why they're here. Mm-hmm. They have to go here. They, there's nothing they can do. They have to check this um, completely out because they are by law binded to do this. Mm-hmm. So I absolutely love that. It, and it's just it, just like you said, uh, bo- both of you guys, just like you both said, it builds that world up for us to understand a little bit more. And I think I think the year was what, 2032? I think, uh, I think we're going to notes. So when we get to it, I can find out. Yeah, but well, yeah, uh, that's the biggest thing. Too. Interesting. I was looking for it because I know it's Wayland Corporal, uh, Wayland Utani Corporation because I'm a big fan of the yeah. whole universe. They don't mention the company name once. No, nope. I was looking that for comes it way later. I was like, wow, that's freaking nuts. Yeah, I think that, I think that's I think that's aliens. Aliens brings it up, yeah, out. because that's where she, yeah. the guy meets her in the bed. And, yeah, right. Uh, but yeah. I was like, wow, I'm surprised. But they build it so well that we know there's a company out there pulling a lot of strings and has a lot of power mm-hmm. and has a lot of protocols and essentially can even not even care about human life if they really wanted to and we have no name right. for it yet. It's kind of funny. Yeah. I love I mean, this universe so much. When they did Prometheus, I applied for the Wayland Corporation because that was like a fake thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hell yeah. It's like, I want to be a part of this and you get like a little awesome. certificate. It's like, you're an employee of the Wayland Utani Corporation. Please enjoy your life in the stars. It, it was crazy. Like I said, that's cool. It's great world building. Oh, and also my Apple TV is called Mother. Oh, I, I love not. that. Oh, I nice. My friend's, my friend's <laughs> license plate is Mother. And I was like, is that an alien reference? And they're like, fuck yeah. And it's like, so, oh. Every time oh, I airplay oh. something, anytime I airplay something, I always ask Mother to airplay that bitch. It's great. I love it. I love it. But yeah, I guess uh, we'll jump right into it. So, of course movie in question is Alien, directed by Ridley Scott. It was released in June 22nd, 1979. Runtime of Good one time hour. Sorry, what was that? 
I just had a good time to release it. Oh, actually. for sure. Nice kind of close to Fourth of July. That that's a that's a good time to release this. It's kind of funny because the thing was almost exactly around the same time too. So good oh, planning. Uh, runtime of one hour fifty seven minutes. A budget of only eleven million dollars, which is the same amount that the thing got, and then box office score of a hundred and eight million. Wow. Oof. Damn. Oof. And even better. Oof. Score of 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, this movie holds up. Wow. Yeah, this movie definitely holds up. Hands down. Okay. So we open to a very retro-designed 20th Century Fox logo with the old iconic (laughs) music, and I've missed that. So great. (laughs) It threw me me off. I was like, oh, damn, I forgot about this one. I feel like that's the Mm -hmm. only thing that aged with this movie. I was like, oh, wow, that logo. Damn. <laughs> very staticky, very, very VHS-like, but I was like, all right. <laughs> uh, we transition to the opening credits in space. The camera pans through space, and we get a few figures out in the distance that appear on the screen as we see that we are going closer to a planet. Slowly, we realize the figures on the screen is spelling out a different title. Little by little, we see more and more letters appear, spelling out the movie's title, Alien. And I just put here, the score at this point is amazing as well. Uh, we transition to a space special and get the words, commercial towing vehicle, the Nostromo, crew, seven, cargo, refinery, uh, processing 20 million tons of mineral ore, course, returning to Earth. We see the Nostromo moves through the space and cut inside the hallway. Uh, this camera has a beautiful tracking shot down all of the different hallways, and we get introduced what the inside of the Nostromo looks like. We follow the camera around the ship into different rooms and get a nice tour of the place. We start to hear some thumping as the camera pans to a control room. We get a close-up shot of a helmet and then a close-up shot of a computer. The camera transitions back and forth between the two objects as the computer turns on and starts relaying data, and we see the reflection every time we get back to the helmet. And I just pretty much put here, the sound mixing and visuals are very interesting, and we get a bunch of different cool sci-fi sounds that's very 80s-like. I don't know how you guys felt about it. I was like, I'm in with this movie right now. I was totally excited about it. At this point, um, because I just recently saw Blade Runner for the first time, maybe a month ago, the original, and... um, that was my first movie into the universe of Blade Runner. And I got immediately the same vibes, that really gritty, like, sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um, the best way I could just um, explain it is, like, old-looking technology, yet it's still futuristic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and yeah. I was like, ooh, it's going to be one of those movies. It's already setting the scene for me. And I actually really right. enjoyed it because I, I, I think it's really fun to watch um, older sci-fi films where they kind of predict what future user interfaces would look like. And it has a very distinguished right. look. Look? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I even love like the, the score in this movie because it, it reminds me a lot of like a Star Wars-esque type of uh, feel to it. And then you get like those deep undertones when bad shit starts going down. And it's it's just it's such a beautiful aesthetic when it comes down to the whole science fiction aspect behind it. I even think I made a joke recently in one of our texts uh, about saying that right. like Alien is the best Star Wars movie of all time <laughs> or something like that. And, and, it, and it's initially because of this music. This music is very... Uh, like flutey and and um, 
it, it's it's just an interesting like it was interesting that that was like this hype of uh music that we got for like sci-fi and things like that during that time yeah. right. I, I love the music it's haunting it's something i, I always recognize i'm like oh yeah that's definitely alien uh, I adore it so much. We get a good introduction with like the cinematography too, when the camera pans inside the different oh, yeah. hallways and showing room from room. But even like the editing between like the helmet and the computer going back and forth with the sound mixing in, mm-hmm. I was like, "Damn, this is a well done movie, regardless of its age." Hell yeah! This is like crossing some boundaries of like what this director can do because I was like, "Yeah, he could literally just show the room lighting up with the computers and that's it," but he chose to make it very artistic right. and very visual so love that uh camera slowly goes into a room and the lights begin to turn on we see that there's a set of sleeping pods and the doors to them are beginning to open a couple fading cuts and we begin to see one of the crew members waking up we see in the background that another person begins to wake up as well and then we transition of them transition to them all being awake inside the common room this is when we get introduced to all of our characters First off, Sigourney Weaver as Ripley, Tom Skerritt as Dallas, John Hurt as Kane, Veronica Catwright as Lampert, and Harry Dean Staden as Brett, and Ian Holm as Ash. And I forgot one more. Yafet Kodo, Kodo as Parker. <laughs> so, all, I, all say, I feel like one's missing in there. <laughs> it, it was weirdly spaced out in my notes. <laughs> speaking of Parker, Parker starts to talk about the bonus that they deserve as they all begin to eat. Um, and they also said that they deserve to get paid right away, and then we hear an alert go off. Ash quickly tells Dallas that Mother wants to talk to him. Dallas responds, I saw it. Yellow lights for my eyes only. And I like how they put that there too, because they have some type of like technology alerting who gets to see what is going on and stuff like that. Love that. Right. Part of that world building. Uh, Absolutely. We cut to Dallas in a room drinking coffee. He walks over and unlocks in the compartment, releasing a key card that he puts into a slot and then presses a button, opening into a new room. He enters the room and all we see is a bunch of lights lit up all over the walls and ceiling. There is a few monitors on the wall, which he turns one of them on and says, good morning, mother. Now we realize mother is the AI computer of the Nostromo. He starts looking at the monitor and it says, over monitoring address, matrix with some stats. Then it opens up to interface 2037. So that's our year, 2037. Ooh, there you go. Uh, okay, perfect. Yeah. That was close. <laughs> then he begins to type, what's the story, mother? We cut back to the crew in the, in the control room, starting up everything. Lemper asks, where is Earth? And Kane says, you should know. Ripley announces that it's not their system. They all try to, re- uh, they try to reach Antarctica control, but they get nothing in return from the radio. Lampert realizes their location and they are off track. Ripley says again, it's not our system. And Lampert <laughs> agrees. Uh, we see the whole crew come back to the lunchroom where they were earlier. Dallas explains that they may have noticed that they are only halfway home and Mother interrupted their journey. He explains she's programmed to do so if anything fits the certain conditions and that she has detected a transmission of unknown origin. She wants them to go check it out. They all begin to ask questions of what it could be if it's human or something unknown. Parker then says that this is a commercial ship and not a rescue ship. He says that he better get paid and he'll be more than happy to do so if he actually gets compensated for it. Ash explains that his contract makes him do it regardless or else he has to forfeit his shares. Uh, pretty much Dallas 
asks Parker, do you get that? And he agrees and laughs. He's like, yeah, I get that. And then we open up to our next scene. Man. Love it. This introduction of characters and conversations, it's perfect. They bounce bounce off each other really, really well. Oh, man. And and like the the thing about these characters that really makes them believable is the the way that they have like this camaraderie towards each other. It's just it. Yeah. I, I don't even know how to really explain. They're it, very but like, comfortable you, with they, each other. Right. They've always felt like they were friends, like forever. And and granted, they probably you know been stuck on that ship for God knows how long, but it, man, I don't know. I just absolutely adore like the that aspect in, in in this portion of us first meeting them. And you get a lot of this when they start eating again, where we get the first initial alien scene. So I'll I'll let you keep going. Cool. So uh, the new scene opens up outside of the Nostromo in space, heading towards a cluster of planets. Uh, we cut back to the team working on going where the signal is. We get this awesome sequence of them getting closer to the planets and them back in the control room, cutting back in and out, going closer and closer to where they need to go. We get this intense countdown with an ominous music about to start with the team detaching a shuttle to fly down to where their transmission is at. Uh, Dallas announces money's safe and let's take her down. And the score begins to become very fantastic at this point and feels like a real adventure. Yeah, I was gonna. I remember this yeah. moment. I was thinking the music is very whimsical and very adventure-like. So I think you're spot on with saying that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and that's why it reminds me a lot of like Star Wars. I could see that because it's like it's like very fluty yeah. and like like it kind of feels like it's a uh, like uh, like Star Wars meets like Willy Wonka or some shit or Charlie <laughs> Chocolate Factory or something. Like it, it's it's very odd and it, it feels like it's it's displaced in certain spots but at the same time it just works so well with this shit oh like yeah. it's, i don't know how to explain it it's the music it's the characters and it's like the editing style too like it, it draws you in it grabs your attention yeah. you don't look away and you're just yeah. like it feels like an adventure it even gives that sense right. of space too because they do a lot of outside shots and then back in they show that they're progressively getting closer to the planets. You're interested as the viewer looking at that. And then you mm-hmm. hear the music come in and then you see them depart from the shuttle. It, it all adds up mm-hmm. to be like, damn, yeah, this is my favorite movie. <laughs> 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 I love it. Uh, but yeah, pretty much we cut back and forth between space and the shuttle. A computer is tracking their course. Things begin to shake and Ripley announces that there's some turbulences. As they start lowering, we see that the glimpse of the terrain from the computer screen and it looks like a rocky surface they turn on the navigational lights and we see and we start to hear another countdown of them finally landing as soon as they touch the ground we get a huge impact and sparks and alarms go all over the shuttle they all begin to start putting out the fires and ashes turning off some of the alarms looking very calm lamper is, is seeing that there's a hull breach but they still got a lot of pressure just pure chaos at this point we cut outside and hear very loud winds. We hear the damage report and they need to start repairing the stuff very quickly. Brett and Parker are starting to talk about how long it's going to take. And they finally tell Dallas it will take about 25 hours. After debating how many hours it would take, they gave them the longest answer. They are seeing if they can get any response yet from the transmission, but nothing. It still has the same transmission going off every 12 seconds. That's all of the other channels are dead as well. They have no communication to the outside world. 
Dallas Aston. This is where. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I, I want to just chime in really quick because, like this, this is where you you kind of realize. Like this is where your first kind of horror trope kind of pops right. in. You're right? here alone. Where no contact. like you're he- exactly no contact. You're officially here by yourself. You're, and it's just like, it's like oh, okay, you know we're going back home anyway, so you know things things should be fine. But we know like we're watching a movie physically called Alien. It's not like we're watching a movie that we don't know the title of, right? Right. So it initially it's it's so intriguing seeing how that kind of just uh, beat for beat. You just see that one line starts becoming more and more true of like, there's no hope. Right. There's no hope. And the big thing, too, is the shuttle's damaged. They're stranded. Yeah. For at least 25 hours, they said. And I mentioned this earlier, but that's what I really enjoy that in a storytelling aspect, it's setting up the context of why they're stuck here, right? And Mm -hmm. um, because there's a lot of films um, where they try to tackle isolation but they're for the most part the audience can think of a way of escape but with this being mm-hmm. you know a sci-fi horror film um you're on a whole different unknown planet at least we think it's unknown um, right. or a moon sorry and um it's like what do you do like are you gonna go out in this extreme weathered condition outside of the two ships like and once it's in the ship, it's like that's that's your safe place. Your safe place has been infiltrated. So that's what I really like about this movie. I like that. Right. Yeah. Um, so continuing on, Dallas asked them to turn on the floodlights on and then we cut back to the outside to the moon and then we see that he turns on the floodlights. Kane says that they can't really go out in the storm, and Ash explains that mother says that the sun will come out in twenty minutes. Dallas asks Ash, or Dallas asks Ash, how far is the transmission? <laughs> and he replies, 2,000 meters northwest. Then he asks about the atmosphere, and Ash says that it's almost primordial, that it's a rock and lava-based system. Dallas chooses Lambert and Kane to be volunteer to be the first group to go and see what the transmission is all about, and that they better bring out the weapons. We see Ash getting prepared inside. Then we cut to the three of them in the spacesuits, leaving the airlock into the unknown moon. Ash is in the control room as he's just spinning around in a chair. Dallas asks if he can see him, see anything, and he just waves from the window and says he has full contact on his end. Uh, We cut to Parker asking Ripley if they find whatever they're looking for, they will get both shares. She says, don't worry about whatever you're going to get, it's going to be coming to you. Such a good line. Uh, kind of like <laughs> predicting oh, something's coming your way, Parker. Don't worry about it. You'll get your share. <laughs> uh, Brett explains that he won't do any work. Ripley just pretty much says, just do your job. And then she goes on her way to the bridge. And that if they need them, uh, if they need her, they'll be on their way to the bridge as well. During the whole conversation, though, there is a loud steam coming from the wall. And as she leaves, Parker just turns it off and... Ripley's uh, son of a bitch. And Britt says, what? Uh, oh, no, sorry. As Ripley leaves, Parker says, son of a bitch. And Britt says, what? And then the steam turns back on. How did you guys feel about that scene? Because I was kind of confused. Seeing this multiple times, like, I, I don't get why that steam was like on in the first place. And it's like, oh, no, it is broken. And it goes back on. Right. Like, it, like it, it felt like it was supposed to like not like it, it felt like it fixed itself 
And I, I like the way I take it is that they wanted to be maybe a little bit more lazy and just chill there for a minute. So he maybe just like rebroke it again. I don't know. Yeah, like, it was very odd. I got I that feeling too. Reason why it was, I thought it was because they had it on to mess with Ripley and then they turned it off and then I guess it broke for real and then it went <laughs> back on. Oh, maybe. Maybe, yeah. I could see it as two ways. I, I think uh, most, I think more so it could be what Prince described that, um, you know, that it was just, they just wanted to chill and they're like, ah, oh, damn. But I also yeah. wondered, because this scene like confused me a little bit too, but I was like, I wonder if it was just um, improv at that point. Like maybe the prop design oh, stopped possible, steaming yeah. and then he, he literally said that in the moment and then banged it and it starts steaming again. And they're like, you know what? Let's just keep that. <laughs> yeah, right. that could be right. <laughs> it's possible. Really funny. Uh, we then cut to Ripley talking to Ash and she asks if they're going to try to put out the, uh, the transmission through the ECIU. Uh, and he responds that mother hasn't identified what it is yet. And he asks that she can just give it a shot if she wants. She turns, uh, uh, she turns on the computer and we see a bunch of ones and zeros and cut back to a cute orange cat on the ground. And we'll find that out. That's going to be Jonesy. <laughs> uh, the next scene begins with an outside shot and the sun finally being out and the wind has completely died down. We see our three volunteers continuing walking towards the transmission. That's when we get this awesome shot of a spaceship where the signal is coming from. And it's pretty much like a horseshoe-shaped type of craft. Would you guys say that? Yeah, yeah that's pretty accurate. Yeah, that But makes in sense. like a curvy yeah. kind of way. Right. Right. Yeah, kind of like it Yeah, like flows. Well, yeah. Very sense. Yeah. alien-like. Very. Alien-like. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Ooh. Dallas talks to Ash and can ask him about if he can see anything. He says yes, and he has never seen anything like it. Then we get this amazing POV shot of inside the helmet, uh, getting closer to it. So fucking cool! I'm saying they're ahead of their time with this movie. Their editing and like uh, cinematography is fantastic. I can't give it enough praise. <laughs> um, and the design of all this shit's wild, right? It's it like it's, the, it looks the, futuristic. The shit looks crazy. Yeah, right. And and it's it's cool because it's it's I don't know if you guys are familiar with like H.R. Giger. No. The Swiss artist. I'm not. Well he he initially is the guy who made like most of like these designs and he was contracted to do this because he made a book back in the seventies, uh the late seventies. And and everybody on Twitter, like, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm I'm not like fact checking myself or anything at all right now, but I want to say it was like nineteen seventy seven or seventy eight, maybe, uh he made this book called the Necrocomicon. And with this book, um, it initially is just all of these wild ass paintings that he created. And initially the design of Alien is in it. And that's what inspired Ridley Scott to make initially this movie. So he hired him to like initially finish the design for his movie. That's really cool. it's, It's just it's so interesting, but like, if you look up some of his stuff, like his stuff is pretty wild. But like, he's bet. done stuff for like Poltergeist, um, Species, uh, gosh, and I'm sure he, he continued working on like Alien and stuff. But it's it's just super interesting. But like, he's like up there with like like Salvador Dali and shit. Damn. Like he he's yeah he's was like one of the best like fantastic realism type of artist at that time but like you get a lot of that functionality on the ship 
And the thing that he really liked to do when it came to not mother's ship, but uh, the ship that they initially go on on the, on the moon, um, th- the thing that he liked to do, he liked to always say that everything that he was creating was organic. It was, it was a piece of an organism Damn. of some like kind. That. So everything there was living when they were walking on it. And it, it's so, oh man, it's so interesting. And it's even more eerie when you think of it that way. <laughs> yeah oh man that's really cool so good that makes a lot of sense yeah he he, he was really really cool I, th- I think he died but yeah, um, he was really cool yeah because you can tell like the set pieces in this movie is such a big scale it's very grand it's really yeah. artistically done so i i could see right. that coming from someone that's like that creative mindset creating the visuals yeah. of this movie because yeah it's one of a kind what, oh. What I what I think this movie pulls off very well that it is very grand scale, but they were able to uh, keep it achievable grounded. and yeah and grounded yeah. and realistic or Absolutely. more so convincing is what I should say. Right? It's not. Yeah. It's not too over the so top. You seen these things? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, so that's because I think there's especially with films from you know the seventies and eighties, you can really watch them now and see. And think, yeah. at least for me, I see what they were trying to do. They were just ahead of their time. But for this film, you you can't really you can, you can say they're ahead of their time, but they it they were just too early. But I think for this film, it, it was done so well that you don't need a you you don't think that was it was still limited after the product was done. And that's what I really like about it. Right. Agreed. Right. Absolutely agree. Uh, Lambert is concerned and wants to leave, and the cane expresses that they just must go on because they've gone too far. Ash moves over to the console and watches them arrive to the alien ship. We get this awesome cuts from Ash to the crew and then back to the helmet camera POV shots. As they are about to enter, we see Ash losing connection of the video feed. We cut to the three of them now inside the spaceship and going down this very uh, ominous and very dark, eerie hallway. Kane found something and says, it's something different, and they have to get over this one wall that's on there. He begins to climb up, and then we get this awesome close-up of his face. Then the camera pans out to the entire, to the entire room, and we see that it is enormous. Uh, with some type of control chair in the middle of it, we see something else that's also very huge. It seems to have someone or something in it. And I just put here that the set design is gorgeous to really look at. Uh, mm-hmm. Dallas explains it's an alien life form and it has been dead for a very long time and it has been fossilized in that chair. He notices that the bones have been bent outwards like it had exploded from the inside. Lambert asks, and this is what I'm yeah sorry I, I just want to say and this is what I mean by Gigger right like he yeah. he said every little set piece that he creates is an organism and you really see it here of of like this just this kind of. Mo- super morbidly fucked up looking thing and if you actually look at his drawings and paintings uh, this stuff you he actually has painted this stuff and right. and drew it and it's even more creepy when you see how it was drawn and uh, oh my god like he it's just it's fascinating seeing how all of that work was just meticulously placed in that kind of stuff i would love to see someone try to do an inspiration of Giger or something right. to where, yeah, cool. and it must be hard, I'm sure, because his, his stuff was fucking bonkers, but it, I would just love to see that just be remade into now. 
I just want to see it. I want to see it so bad. Right. Knowing that I like this movie so much, I would love to see the concept art of this like entire thing. Oh yeah, you can find it. Oh yeah, you know me. I'll find it. I'll buy it, and yeah, I'll be here in two days. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Prince, for letting me know about this. Because yeah, I'll definitely do my research after this. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the nice thing about this, talking about the design of it, you can tell that the whatever it's on that chair, it gets fossilized and becomes part of the machinery. Which keeps everything very like organic, like you said too. Where it's like it's become part of the ship now, and it's just crazy visuals. Uh, Lampert asks, "I wonder what happened with the rest of the crew." Speaking about the alien, she then says that they should get the hell out of there. And then we get this close-up shot of the alien, and it's a huge body that looks like it got fossilized over several years, and it's a looks like a human, but it's also very alien-like features as well. It has a Lambert. humanoid like structure, right? Right. Um, like, what I like wise. here, uh, what I like here is that like for first time viewers, I would imagine they think this is going to be the big bad, right? Yeah. And yeah, um, it's like it's perfectly centered. It's being presented to us, um, and that's I think that is. I I don't know if it is underrated, but I would say it was very underrated for me because I, or. I could see it being underrated. Caught you by surprise. Yeah, because I, I, I was like, I, I think it is, but I have a feeling it's not going to be. I feel like I'm, I'm being fooled with, right? Um, <sighs> but at this point, this is where I'm, I'm starting to see like the how this film definitely influenced Nintendo's Metroid. Um, and right. as we go deeper, right. uh, we start seeing it more and more. I'm like, ooh, I see, I see the inspiration here. I like how you said that too, because yeah, seeing this for the first time, you would expect like, oh, this is what the movie's about. It's this alien. So mm-hmm. I'm curious mm-hmm. if you ever see Prometheus because they touch upon this. But again, this is why I love this movie too. They don't give you a lot of answers to some of the questions right. that pops up in the viewer's head watching this for the first time or this being the only alien movie that you ever see. You don't really ever right. find out what that thing was ever until yeah, later true. on. Yeah, Yeah. So that's for, it that's still very true. gives it a lot of Much mystery. later on. Well, for sure. Literally a few years ago. <laughs> but <laughs> it's one of those things like there's nice touches in this movie that just keeps it a mystery. And that's what's beautiful about this movie because it still right. works. You don't need to know to know right. the main plot of the story. Right. Uh, Kane calls Lambert and Dallas over to where he found a hole in the ground. We cut to Ripley, and then she tells Ash that Mother has deciphered some of the transmission, and it's, that, and it's not an SOS, but it looks more like a warning. She then says that she's going to go after them, and Ash says, what's the point? By the time you get there, they'll know if it's a warning or not. And this one was like, damn, Ash, yeah. okay. For sure, dude. This is this is the point where I'm like, come on, guys. Like, I mean, come on, Ash, mostly. I'm like, right, you're, right. listen to what she has to say. Um, but it really sounds like you're just dis- disregarding what she's saying, particularly because it's her. But continue. Yeah. yeah. Then we just see Ash exhale and looks a little stressed out as we cut back to the outside of the alien ship. We now see Kane luring down the hole at this point. He explains it's like a cave and it feels very tropical down there. We see a big room and Kane saying, what the hell is this? He begins to describe what he has seen, that the pit is completely enclosed. It's full of leathery objects like eggs or something. Then we see him get a closer look and hear this weird sound coming from the ground. He says there's a layer of mist covering the eggs, and that's reacting when it's broken. He slips lower to where the eggs are now. 
and we get this awesome POV shot of him looking at one of the eggs. We get a real good close-up of the shot of the egg, and he says that they are completely sealed. He begins to touch the top part of the egg, and we hear a loud static sound come from him, and he takes his hand off quickly. We then see this residue from the egg starting to move upwards, which is strange by itself. Man. David, I just want to ask you, seeing this for the first time, what did you feel about this scene in general of, like, what might happen? I'm like, this fool is dumb. Why is he all touching it and stuff? (laughs) I mean, like, I I, I would think at this point where this... um, this movie is taking place within this world that they would have better tools and procedures to really like investigate alien life form. Um, yeah. But at the same time, this is where I'm, I'm kind of on the edge of my seat where I'm like, what's going to happen? And this can't right. be good news because this movie is called alien. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but I think I was, uh, it was definitely justified why I was on the edge of my seat for what's to come. Right. Yeah. I think they do a really good job with this set design specifically too. They do an incredible job of what the room looks like and that like mist and layering and the sound effects. And even like the small things where it's like you see residue float upwards and it's kinda of, like reminding me of the thing. Yeah. That like, really yeah. damn. That really Attention intrigued me because I was like, What what does this mean? But also it's very alien, right? It's very yeah, unknown. <laughs> um and that's what's really cool. I also like um that it's just you know, we're we're talking about just one egg here in this grand mm. room. What I think had many eggs in it. Oh, for uh, sure. And that's what's fascinating. It's true. This is when we start to see him move his flashlight towards the egg, and then we see that it's a little transparent, and we see something moving inside. He tells him that it's moving, and it's organic life. The egg slowly opens as he starts to look around and moves towards him. As he gets a closer look, we see the alien life form pop out and attaches itself to Kane's face. Then we cut back to the alien ship, outside of the alien ship. Opening the next scene, we see the whole team returning back to the shuttle. As is talking to Ripley and is that uh, via radio and says, yes, I see them. We see Ash in the interlock room now waiting for the team to come inside. Dallas in the lock and uh, the airlock asks if they're gonna uh, let me see if she's there and that they are clean to let them in because they got decon- uh, decontaminated. She asks what happened to Kane and Dallas says something's attached to itself to him and she begins to question them even more. Dallas says it's an organism and she stresses that the ship could be infected and that he knows the quarantine procedures and that they need 24 hours of decontamination. Dallas expresses this stupid motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> god damn dude like like oh my god but you, dude i was uh, just yeah. i was i was just like thinking like like i get it i get it like yo yo i just got attacked let me in the fucking shit like i get it i get it but still damn yeah dude, I, just like happened. yo you know the procedure exactly like you're gonna infect all the rest of us and we're not gonna make it out of here if you die like all right man good riddance but like you knew don't you know the procedure yeah and this is where on, this is where i started getting pretty frustrated right because i mean we're recording this during COVID times and, you right. know, every, right. there's a mixed reaction on the proper procedures to take in place. And it, this very much represented like Americans and how some of them are like, everyone, everyone quarantine, but if it's going to be me, nah, fuck that. I'm not going to quarantine or something like that. Or like, fucking idiots. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I should have was over here like, yo, sorry. Like, this is like, 
when when you're in this type of like environment or a team and this level and there's procedures that are put in place and when they come to you're just going to ignore them good riddance like i i don't think you deserve to be a part of that crew anymore and at this point i was like yo fuck these guys already um because they've already pissed me off but yeah i would have maybe fucked up to say but i would have left them out there right i i would have too good I I and she was going to. I mean, yep. it, 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 man, I was about to say keep that. going, Freddie. Ripley, keep going, Freddie. Before I punch something. No, you're good. <laughs> Ripley had the right idea. This is where we first see her take command because she was a sideline character at this point until now. This right. is when we start right. seeing her becoming one of the main characters and slowly become stealing like the main lead. Oh, so this is the work point of a masterpiece. Where it's transitioning to like, oh, who's this chick? Now we're gonna start following her. Beautiful. I love it. Cool. Beautiful. Beautifully done. Yes. So after she says that they must follow the quarantine procedures and that they must need 24 hours of decontamination, Dallas expresses that he could die by that time and open the hatch. She, she also expresses that they could die, all of them. Lambert then yells at her as well, and Ripley denies their request. As she denies them, hmm. Ash then just opens the hatch and lets them right in. God I was Bitch ass. Bitch ass Ash. We get a quick transition of them uh, lasering Kane's helmet, seeing that the something has been broken into it and is attached to his full on face at this point. The helmet opens up into two yeah. parts, and we see. Wait, the wait, alien. wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Yeah. David. <laughs> When you first see this fucking shit, like actually attached to his face, like I know pop culture probably ruined this for you, but what was your first reaction? So I've never seen this moment from this movie. Whoa. I've never oh, seen God, that creature. <laughs> Yo, I've never seen this Freddy, creature a, at all. Freddie, in a weird way, I agree with you. Like gorgeous, but in such a disgusting, creepy way. Like it, it looked like something i would see in real life this doesn't look like a 1979 movie prop to me i was no. grossed Especially the out way it wraps around it yeah my it's goodness this is impressive tighter and this is probably the oh. most impressive part of the movie for me because it's immediately Same. slaps me in the face i'm just like dude this is twisted especially for 1979 like i know there's some <laughs> yeah. fucked up shit in film in the 70s but dude i was like this is gnarly like the no. The on. whole aspect of of Kane heavily breathing, the wrapping around the neck with its tail, the the digits around his head, and just the the pulsating. Ugh! Just thinking about yeah. it, awesome design. It is wild. awesome, but it also gives me the heebie-jeebies. Like <laughs> it's just crazy but, how this organism works in the first place. That it starts off from an egg, then this, and then what we see later yeah. on the like evolution of it. It's a fucked up process. It's crazy. Yeah, it's very at. much. It is. It's a, a well parasite. thought out creature. Like this is well designed. But what I love is. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This is probably just a me thing, but when it comes to um, creations of sci-fi creatures, I never really see them as scary, right? But this is mm-hmm. probably the only time I could think of a alien sci-fi creature that spooked me. Like it was, it was spoopy, <laughs> and I, I was just yeah, like, spooky. I'm. I had a moment where I'm like, I'm just glad it's not me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like in it's it's so interesting because this is actually the movie that 
uh, made my my aunt like deathly afraid of horror films, and she actually watched this in theaters. Oh damn, when it came that's out. sick! And when she watched in theaters, I just thought it was so fascinating. Listen to her experience because she was just like, when this part happened, she lost it. She was just like, okay, <laughs> fuck this. Things touching faces. And, and she, she even said, she was like, I never let a boyfriend like touch my face ever again, pretty much. Yeah, it's because of this. It's something about it being <laughs> on the face and the way it's constructed. It it's very much like seems a- like it's raping his mouth. You know, in a way, right? Sure. And, and initially, it is because it's like it's jamming something to Ugh. pump oxygen into his lungs. Yeah, and it's just doing it while oh. we're all just staring at it. It's it's ugh, it's so creepy. Oh my god! It's, it's the worst type of violation. God damn! Ugh. So so fucking insane. I, absolutely. That's all right. I I just wanted to know David's po- no, like, for sure. thought process of I'm when glad that you asked because I was like, I'm this is you- his first time seeing this film. Because- Hope, like I like. This is a huge thing in in like like horror pop culture, but man, like I, I even seen people have like the xenomorph as the spider uh, yeah. a face mask for COVID. Oh, and I, I think it's sick. the coolest shit ever. I love that. That's it's so cool. dope. Like like the the hands initially like wrap around their actual head, and it's a it's an actual N95 mask. That's like crazy expensive. It was like something like eighty dollars or something like Done. that. Um, but I totally would buy that. <laughs> and it, there's also a Jason one too, which, which is also really dope as well. But yeah. But uh, really quick video game uh, comment. Uh, I, I this is on my backlog, and a lot of pe- gamers out there are going to be disappointed hearing this. But I still need to play the Half Life series. But I played like the first hour of the first one, and it very much reminds oh, me of the creatures from Half Life. Yeah, I was about to say the little crawling motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. What a design. Sheesh. Uh and then we know this not from the movie, but just from pop culture as the face hugger. So we mm-hmm. see the face hugger attached to his face. We see that the tail is also wrapped around his neck. We see that the majority of the crew staring at it from the outside window at this point. Dallas ends with Ask and tells him how to get it off. And Ash begins to make a cut on the creature's finger, and then it begins to tighten the tail around its neck. To his neck. Parker yells, they should just freeze him. (laughs) Ash just ignores the comment and puts Kane's body into a scanner, and we see that we have the creature putting something down Kane's throat. Ash suggests that it's feeding him oxygen. Then Dallas says, why would it put him in a coma and then also keep him alive? Ash doesn't want to move it move too quickly and that they don't know a lot about it. Dallas says he just wants it off him now and Ash says do you take full responsibility? He says yes and to get him out. Ash begins to cut the alien's finger at this point and the blood begins to hit the ground and then starts going through the floor. Fuck yes. Yeah this was Man. fuck yes. This was sick to me. I was like cause uh, it really upset me how nonchalantly they were going about trying to handle this creature and uh this was a satisfying moment because i feel like it really taught them a lesson yeah right and it it, the most beautiful thing that you can see from this is the fact that when that blood hits the ground and it starts melting the fucking aspects of the ship that's when you really start to realize okay this thing is officially a full-blown threat yep like, if this thing came and tried to attack us, we literally cannot kill it. it it's, in, it's genius. 
It's genius. I have to agree. (laughs) It sets the context to why to be afraid. And I love context. Absolutely. Like looking at my ceiling right now, I was like, this is why I love this movie. <laughs> it's, so it's just well thought so out. Good. It's, it's ah, man, it's what a threat level! It's so good. Literally, like you're saying, like, like if this it attacks you, if you threat. attack it back, it's going to start bleeding everywhere, and you're going to destroy the entire ship. You're going to kill yourself, right? Like you literally, it's the ultimate threat. Can't do anything about it. And then, like oh, uh, what Ash says later in the movie, I was like, damn, yeah, it's it's, it's crazy Love concept. It. Uh, but the crew being scared of that, it'll eat through the hole. We see that the entire crew starts going from floor to floor, stopping at each next deck. Dallas asks Brett, um, and then we finally see it finally stopping at one of the lower decks. Dallas asks for Brett's pen, and they see that it's melting through it as well, and says, oh, cool, it finally stopped. Then they just realize that the blood is indeed acid. Parker says it's got wonderful, uh, it got a wonderful defense mechanism. You don't dare kill it. And that's where we get like the Man. confirmation. It's like, yeah, its defense mechanism is badass. You can't do anything about it. Oh, fuck, <sighs> dude. Uh, Ripley talks to Kane and says that he has to leave that to Ash. Or Ripley asks about Kane and he says, leave that to Ash and to have the crew go back to work. We cut back to the crew mm-hmm. working on the shuttle and repaired all of the damages. Parker and Brett started talking about how they shouldn't have landed here, and the place gives them the creeps. We cut to the room where Kane is, and the camera starts to pan around the room, not showing much, but just the walls. We see that Ash is on the computer, still studying the life form. Ripley comes in and asks how Kane is, and how is our guest. He says he's still researching, and he doesn't know much about it, but that the outer layer of the alien is a protein polysaccharide. I don't know what that was, but I just put it in my notes. That it sheds its cells and it replaces it with silicone. So it adapts to its location too, which is crazy. So fucking. And that's dope. what he says. Long story short, it makes this guy a tough son of a bitch. Then Ripley. Hell yeah, baby. Then Ripley gives that great line. It's like, and you let him in. Oof. Oh, yeah. yes. So good. Man. What a badass wow. thing to say. Right, I love that. Absolutely. This guy's a tough son of a bitch, and you let him in. (laughs) Absolutely, perfectly well done. Uh, Wow, (laughs) beautiful slap to the face, right there. Right, he doesn't react, and we learn why. But uh, (laughs) as says, he was just obeying a direct order. She explained when Dallas and Kane are off ship, she's in charge, and that he also forgot about the quarantine law. He said he didn't forget. She replies, oh, I see. You just broke it. Ash asks, what would you have done with Kane? He says that he must have jeopardized the crew, but he, it was a risk he was willing to take. She just says, that's a pretty big risk for a science officer. He just responds, let me do my job and you do yours. And she just leaves the room. Man. Mm. Good confrontation. And this is where, yeah, this is where I really grow to dislike and really hate Ash, but love Start to love our um, protagonist here, Ripley. Right. She doesn't take no shit from no one. Exactly. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. 
It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And then this gives us, all, of course, context clues of who Ash is and his motives and stuff like that, too. He's becoming very suspicious at this point as a viewer. I don't know about mm-hmm. you being the first person watching this for the first time. But what were your thoughts on no, Ash at this point? Uh, dude, yeah. Ash, super sus. I'm... I'm like he's up to something. He he very has this greedy demeanor about him, and I very much in the beginning thought like this guy just wants to win like a Nobel Prize or just find this grand discovery that could make him famous. Um, right. So those are my initial thoughts at this moment. I like that. Uh, then this is when Ash leaves the room too. Dallas gets radioed by Ash to take a look at Kane. He radios Ripley to join him as well in the infirmary. We get a close-up look at Kane's head with the alien being gone. Man. They all express that they need to find it. They all enter the room very slowly and very cautiously. Dallas starts to check uh, Kane's pulse as they continue looking for the alien in the room. That's when we get a big jump scare because Dallas accidentally drops a shelf. Damn. <laughs> that got me again. You got me again. <laughs> got me again. God damn it. <laughs> As Ripley poor movies out there. <laughs> As Ripley begins to call them over, we see that the alien is starting to fall from the ceiling and then onto her. It falls to the ground looking uh. motionless. Oh, such a good scene. It's uh. a sense of suspense that we see it just crawling yeah. into frame right behind her. And we're like, oh, it's alive. But then we find out it's dead. Ash takes the prod and pokes it and then it moves. Dallas thought it was alive, but Ash explains it was just her reflex. They start to examine the body of the alien. In its underbelly, it looks like a bunch of different organs mixed together attached to its body. That's when we get the creature's design from the bottom perspective. Which is... Yeah. Once again, man, Giger, dude. He's... It's just... It's nuts. Like, the way that all of this is just flushed out. Yeah, it looks like it could have been a sea creature. And that's yeah, the whole point of the direction, right? I don't think so. Uh, Ashley- Dude, you don't see it in this movie, but like when you see like like the xenomorph actually swim in a different movie, you're just like, oh, fuck, this thing can swim like, oh, no. like that? Oh, for sure. <laughs> and and, and like, there's like a snake. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Damn. In water, it was even more scarier to me. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and then you see something like this in Prometheus at a larger scale. And you get a lot oh, of yeah. designs there, but I'm not going to ruin it for David because watch Prometheus. Thank you. Hot take is actually a really good movie. I, I loved Prometheus. I I don't know what the whole big deal about it was. I mean, I get it, <laughs> I like, but still, it's just Prometheus was fucking good. Fuck y'all. But- <laughs> David, that should be your next movie. In this, All right. In this franchise, and then no, you to still got to watch Host. That too. Yeah, I do need to watch that. It's, oh, it's so good. Uh, Ash explains that this is something that they need to be brought back. Ripley is concerned about that. Dallas agrees that they should bring it back. Ripley wants to know why, and he explains that it's just the captain that he's just the captain. And he explains that anything that has to do with science, Ash has the final word. She asks, How is that possible? And he explains that's what the company wants. Ripley says that doesn't mm. tr- that she doesn't trust Ash. And then that's when Dallas says this great line. He says that he doesn't trust anybody. Hmm. Such a good line. 
He then asks about the repairs and states that they are pretty much good to go. Then he just expresses that he just wants to get the hell out of there. And that's when we cut back to the shuttle getting ready to lift off. Man. Whew. Uh, Whew. Boy. Like, just that, that whole, like, bit of section right there, dealing with Ash, dealing with the creature, it, it, it's, it's just so much tension. And you can tell, like, everyone's now on edge. And everyone's just like, fuck, okay. Like, let's just let, let's figure this out. Let's just try to get home. The thing's dead now. We're good. Well, you know, like, dude is dead, too. So whatever. You know, we're not going to trip off of that. But then, act two happens. <laughs> Keep going, right? <laughs> so we cut back to outside with the shuttle getting ready for liftoff. They begin leaving the place, and we hear the crew announcing some issues. We see that the crew is on edge, but managed to take off and do it safely, and they begin to loosen up and laugh. They are now back on the Nostromo and talk about what they should do when they're in the meeting room. We get this awesome conversation about how Brett just says, right, to everything Parker says. Lambert comes in and tells them that it'll take about 10 months for them to go back to Earth, and then we get a few more, right, from Brett. Such a good scene. I love that dialogue. <laughs> uh, Me too. Ash calls to Dallas to check on Kane, and we see that he's up and okay. Kane expresses the only thing he remembers is a terrible smothering dream. That's terrifying. Uh, he asks where they are, and they say we're heading home. He's like, "I want to eat. I'm really sleep. I want to have one last meal before I go to sleep." And they all agree as well. Dallas says one more meal before nap time, and he's buying. We cut to them all having fun and eating in the dining room. They're all laughing and Kane starts to choke and feels pain. We get a cut of Ash just staring at Kane at this moment, looking like he's studying him. Kane collapses on the table while everyone tries to help him. That's when we see his chest bulge out and his chest becomes covered in blood. A few moments later, we see a new type of alien pop out of his chest and it's their first baby xenomorph. Man. David, how did you feel about this? Oh, my So this scene was spoiled for me by pop culture. I knew it. This is the most popular scene of all time. Uh, So I've seen this before, and... um, but I didn't know when it was coming. I, I only saw sure. the explosion aspect of it coming out of Kane's chest. But when he started choking, I was like, hmm. <laughs> and then when they, it was not until they put him on the table. I was like, this is not how you help someone that chokes. <laughs> so sure, yeah, yeah. I was throw like, throw him, throw him on his back. He's choking. Yeah. Yeah. He choked and different. <gasps> You're holding him down and you're sure. holding his limbs. I'm like, this is not how you help someone that's choking. But I'm like, I think I know what's coming. And when I said, I'm like, there it is. <laughs> and it's brutal, too. First, you don't see it, it fully pop out. You see it bulge a little bit and just blood splatter all over his white T-shirt. Yeah. Man, so graphic. What, what I do know is for Veronica Cartwright that uh, when the blood splattered on her, that wasn't intentional. So her scream in that scene was, was a genuine scream. Yeah. Oh, man. Actually, everyone getting shocked was genuine. Oh, really? Because that was, that was the whole surprise. The only person who knew that that was going to happen was the actor. John Hurt, Kane. 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 Yeah. You know what, mm-hmm. though? Like, it looks fantastic. The creature looks really looks great. good too. This holds up yeah. so well. It, it does it really awesome. hold up. Like this is better than some movies out now. 
like that good. So good. So good. Damn, what a scene, though. It, it, and I'm going to be honest with you guys. This also was spoiled for me by pop culture. Aww. So, like, it, 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 uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it happens. You know, most of these films, obviously, we're, we're watching them all at super later ages. We're not in, born in the 70s. But uh, so most of this stuff was uh, ruined for me. Like the face hugger, all that stuff. I didn't probably watch Alien until I was maybe in college. So, yeah, a lot of this was ruined for me. But at the same time, hey, this shit still is awesome. Still got me. Love it. Oh, for Absolutely sure. Absolutely love it. Uh, this is when the alien still attached to his chest, but still popping out, begins to look at, <laughs> look at the entire crew. And as Parker is about to stab it, Ash says, don't touch it. Then we see this alien. Man, fuck Ash. <laughs> <laughs> right. For real. Like, come on, man. I would have I stabbed it. Man. Like, That's what know, I'm saying. I'm, I'm like, it could have ended uh, it, right it there. At its at, at a newborn, it's vulnerable. Yep. You're gonna it's take still, out a baby. You take it out blood? when it comes out of the womb. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dude is dead, bro. Like, yeah, Kane yeah. is gone. So it's just like, all right, like you know, he it, it, he's done for. Obviously, no one's mourning. They're like, oh my god, Kane. No, it's, no, it's like no one's this. doing that. Yeah. It's just like, okay, this thing is now popped out of his chest. Oh my god! They could have gave his death. Not, some not. Purpose. Hey, what is this? Let's go try to catch it. No, fuck that thing. Kill that thing. Right? No. Yep. That is not. It's not for us. That is not for us. No. But this, this once again actually ties back into to very much of what David says. I mean, with like that American type of mentality, right? Where uh, it's that whole thing of like if we even take things back to history of taking things that aren't, that isn't yours. Sure. Preach brother. And it's, it's, this is very much alluded to that of just like, this is just going to be a constant thing with human beings. Tampering with things that you should not tamper with. Once again, exactly. And tampering with, with so many different aspects of different worlds now and excavating and also other stuff. And it's just, it, this is just a perfect example. It's just like if you're going to play with fire, you're going to get fucking burned. Exactly. And I absolutely love that. Like it was honestly it was in a way it was just like kind of hard to feel bad for some of these people dying right now. Yeah. For anyone that is a uh, fan of. I mean, this movie, of course, you're listening to this episode, so you must be right. But there's a Twilight Zone, the new Twilight Zone uh, series. Uh, there's an episode called eight season two that. Now, and I think I talked about this um, episode on a, a very recent episode as well, but there's an episode called Eight that has very much alien vibes that I would recommend anyone check out if they haven't yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, I haven't. I, I haven't watched season two at all, actually. So yeah, I, you I should. Check it it's out. good. No doubt I love this movie. I will definitely watch that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this is one. Yeah, like you guys said, they should have stopped here because this is when we see the alien just jump out and scurry off. Everyone looks amazed, and Ash just looks very intrigued. We cut to the crew looking for the creature, but cannot find it. The camera starts to pan around the entire ship again. Then we cut back to them in the bridge, looking at the monitor, sending Kane's body into a space or into space via the airlock. Sorry, Kane. R.I.P. A new scene opens up in space with the Nostromo going towards home. Brett shows the crew a cattle-like prod that is that has a portable battery and shows how it could shock it. It says it won't damage it, but it uh, it will it won't damage it or it will not kill it, but it'll set 
the the alien into action. Which is sad that they're yeah, like you guys were saying, they're doing stuff to not even try to kill it at all too. That they're just trying to damage it or just like capture it. And at that point, I think if I were in this situation, I would definitely go rogue and be like, fuck y'all, I'm killing this thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, fuck y'all, fuck money, fuck this, I wanna go home. <laughs> but like, at that point, it's like, I'm just taking the shuttle, I'm out. I was yeah, like, I for real. I, to kill honestly, like, I would have nah, just been I'm like, good. you know what? Y'all have fun. I'm going to take the escape pod. Yeah, I'm going to sneak my way um, out. I'm out. Like, <laughs> you guys can stay here. Um, Ash says that he made a device that can track it. Dallas breaks them up into two teams. Ash, Lambert, and him. Ripley with Parker and Brett. Dallas explains that if they capture, they're sending it off in the airlock. Uh, we now cut to Ripley's team, now going down the hallway with the motion detector. Lights weren't working, but Brett and Parker get it to work finally. She gets a reading with it, with it and then says that it's five meters away as they open the door to the next room. They slowly go in with Parker with the net in his hand. Uh, she comes to a few lockers as she gets the reading. They're all prepared to open it with the net in hand getting ready to capture the alien. They open it and we get this crazy jump scare of an orange cat running out. They all laugh, and Parker tells Brett that they need to go get the cat so they don't pick him up on the tracker again. <laughs> Brett goes to get the cat as Parker and Ripley continue on. Brett tried to call the cat out and says his name is Jonesy. Cute name. <laughs> uh, this is when he enters this really creepy room, and we get this really nice framing shot. And it just pretty much shows him in the middle, and then we have like the two bearings on the sides and like just the water dripping. Like I said, this movie's mm-hmm. fantastic. Uh, he starts to hear some faint meows and goes towards it. He sees that the cat is running through the machinery and bolts to another room. He sees on the ground that there is an alien skin that has been shed off. Man. How did you guys feel about this? I know me and Prince have seen this, so we know what happened. But what were you thinking, David, as you saw, like, just shedded skin? I think Brett's a big old dummy. Um, <laughs> I'm like this fool. Like you, Fair you know enough. what's going on. You need to be efficient with what you're trying to do. Finding Jonesy, right? Right. You need to be aware of your surroundings. But you just seem like a big dummy to me, and I'm like, you're gonna die. <laughs> I'm expecting you it at this goof. point. How did you feel about the shedded skin? Man. It was gross, and I think it's a really good touch. Um, and it very much reminded me of the thing when you have the scraps of clothing you left behind. Okay, it's ah sure, it's that mark of I've been here, but I've already moved on. And I think that's a really right. good aspect to play with. Oh man, like I, I just love the fact that it was just like when you see the skin, you kind of knew like this thing's an like evolving and rapidly mm-hmm. right like it it it's so 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 interesting because you you think of like a snake shedding skin or something like that and and it just felt so cool to initially see like like okay this thing is actually growing up really fast and it hasn't even had its first meal yet kind of thing that's a, yeah, that's it's so interesting um but it also makes me think too like what is this thing's purpose? Because that's that's always like my concept of of, of things, and and honestly, the very basic purpose. Because even same thing for humans, right? What are our what what's our purpose here? Like, why are we here? Um, but initially, the the main basis is just to live, 
right? right? Like, it's just like, it just, just like a human, like, I want to live and I'm going to do anything I can to live. And if you're in my way, I'm going to make sure you're not. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's absolutely genius. Yes. Because, I mean, think about it from the alien's perspective or from the xenomorph's perspective, where it's just like, I just woke up. I was just born. <laughs> All these people are surrounding me. I don't know what's going on. I don't know you. You don't you you don't smell like me. Instinctively, I'm going to run away because yeah. I'm too small right now to fuck around and try to kill one of you guys. So, yes, I I think this is just a really fantastic case of survival of the fittest. I think so too. And I I think it's just it's very very well done to have two initial species that are different and with these two different species that you have initially one invading it's it's space but with these two species they both are species that want to live yep and i think that is beautifully done and shown here right just like in the thing very much just like in the thing so you could you could tell like like a lot of like the thing inspiration came from alien in a way oh for sure so I could definitely yeah. see that. Yeah, well I, I thought about the thing a lot as I was watching this, so I ha- I definitely have to agree with that. It was a good movie yeah. to transition from, for sure. Yeah, exactly what I was parallels. thinking. Absolutely. Law Parallels. And then I was like, oh, I see what kind of movies Freddy likes now. <laughs> <laughs> Which are like my top three. Freddy, yeah, Freddy. <laughs> it's it's funny because Freddy, Freddy really likes body horror, but he's not a fan of gore. Yeah, exactly. I know. That's what I was thinking, it's, it's too. It's so interesting to that's me. That's exactly what I was thinking, Prince. <laughs> <laughs> True. 80s. Or 70s body horror, maybe. <laughs> Gordon, now it's just right, Watch blood. The Brood, then. Uh, watch The Brood. I'll watch it. That's all I'm going to tell you. Watch The Brood. <clears throat> well, yeah. No, the Eat thing that words. you guys were talking about, like, <laughs> this, and Ash says it perfectly later on about what this creature is. And then we kind of find out later on in other movies, like, Prometheus kind of touches on it. And then, was it Covenant? I think was that her sequel? Mm-hmm. That really talks about why these things were designed. That was right after Prometheus, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I like that this movie is as a standalone. It's literally yeah, kind of like what you said, survival of the fittest. Like now, mm-hmm. it's just living. It's a survivor. That's it. Yeah. That's it. It's just two species that want to live. That's it. As he picks up the alien skin, he looks scared and drops it back down on the ground and continues on to the next room. Then we see some water falling from some hung up machinery as he enters that same room. He comes into the room, still calling out for the cat. We see this great POV shot of him looking up at the water and then him taking off his hat, getting water on his face, and then putting his hat back on. It's a very wholesome scene. This was kind of gross. Yeah. Yeah. I. It's a wholesome scene. Prince. But like, you know, it's just like. Thank eh. you. Thank you oh. for saying that because I'm like, boy, you nasty when I'm watching this. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, he's like taking a full-fledged shower Yeah, I'm like, that. you just like. Like you know, there's an alien creature around, and you don't know where this water's coming right. from. Maybe you do, but I'm like, point, I think the reason why this scene exists is that he's stressed out. The water on his face is to cool him down and like de-stress him. He takes that's a really good oh, no, point. Sure, he's like, that's a good point. Sure, that, that makes sense. But let me look just, up, have some water on my face, put the hat back on, do you know, just I'm sit doing. down for a little bit though. Yeah, that's true. There's better ways to go about it. <laughs> Just sit down. I guess it won't. Or turn around. You're like, fuck it. I didn't find it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't find the cat. All right, fuck it. Um, like, I would have I would have said that. I was like, I didn't find the cat. So uh, <laughs> Right. Yeah. I would have probably said the same thing. Like, I don't know. Fuck this guy. I'm done. 
Yeah, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, like, Jonesy. The cat ran away. I didn't find it. No, no thanks. Um, so pretty much right when he puts his hat back on, he hears a noise and goes towards it. We see that the cat is hiding in the corner and the cat is hissing at him, but then we soon realize it's the alien behind him that the cat is scared of. We see that it's much bigger this time, and it's this iconic alien look that we all know and love, the xenomorph. And we get this nice close-up <laughs> shot of his of its head, and then we see him turn around, facing um, his pretty much his demise as the cat watches. And then the scream he gives out is haunting. Dude, see the fucking cranium on that thing? Right. Huge, uh, amazing, amazing. I, I like the design. So um. See, <laughs> see the design. Um, I, I it's it's I I love when I have these realizations when I when I'm finally seeing the design for myself. I'm like I could see so many things that have come after this film that have been inspired by this film, and it's really cool to like right. uh, kind of do that backwards sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. and I like the uh the play of like really seeing Jonesy watch um like this person's demise but at the same time it yeah. this scene uh felt a little dated for me this is the one time where i'm like oh this is very very late 70s but i i it didn't take it away from me i i think it was a good touch mm-hmm. but the design of the I, on the alien is superb i love that it's all black yeah all black you see that nice that, that tail kind of like pick them up yeah. a little bit oh it's so fucking cool man it's, it's I, I i really really enjoy this scene <laughs> So I always get giggly of like this movie because yeah, it's beautifully designed. <laughs> it's iconic. It's one of those big things. It's like you know that alien is from Alien, and it's mm-hmm. yeah. Right. Even me distinct. not never unique. watching a movie in the series, I've always known that that is the creature from Alien. Right. Yeah. Have you guys ever seen Species? Mm, yes. Wait. A long time ago. Is that the film where it's like a woman-like looking alien? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the woman who can who can transform from an alien. Yeah, it's a uh, it's initially the same the same artist made that as well. Species, I think. So it's it's that 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 creature looks not just like this because like this one actually that one actually has like a humanoid face. Yeah. in a way, but like the body type and the stature gotcha. is very very similar, just with breast initially. I can't confirm or deny, but I don't think I've seen it. That's fair. It's just a great scene in Species 3, I think, where it's like, it's a pool scene. She's making out with some dude. She sticks like his tongue. She sticks her tongue through his his neck. Oh, damn. Kills him. So fucking cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think I've seen that scene for sure. <laughs> yeah. So cool. Uh, Okay, cool. We cut back to Parker now saying whatever it was, it was big. He's talking to the crew of what happened to Brett. He shows that it took him up to the air shafts. Donna says that they can trap it and then shoot it out of the airlock. Ripley begins to ask Ash about the alien, and he says that he has adapted to their environment, and the only thing they really don't know about it is its temperature. Dallas explains that they should go get the incinerator units. Parker says he'll go get them, and he'll get it done in 20 minutes. Lambert then asks... Wait, wait, wait. Before, yeah. you, before you continue, the, the most interesting piece behind that is that they say that it adapted to their environment. Right. So it's like, it kind of makes me think like the color of the Xenomorph should have always been beige 
but since the environment it was in was black, Ooh. it changed its color to be black. Because it can and kind of slick around its prey a lot easier because it's hidden in the right. darkness. That's really cool. Right, exactly. So I, I th- I've always found that line to be one of the most fascinating lines because the alien just seems like it has this metamorphosis to it that allows it to uh, initially kind of really perch on and be kind of chameleon-like mm-hmm. because you, you see it very much t- in, the, in the end uh, sequence that we have going on there with uh, uh, Ripley versus the Xenomorph. But it, it's so, so well done. Even when it comes down as far down as like the piping right. system and it like it, it, it has like the grooves of the right, pipes like, around its head yeah, yeah, and yeah. things like that. It's so very, very, very well done. And I, I want to, I like to believe in this, honestly, the sequels discount this, sure. but I like to believe that is why it's black inside of the machinery. And I, I, I uh, that's what I like to believe based off of that line. But like I said, the sequels discount what I, what I said, but Aww. yeah. But I, I love it was that good theory. I know, yeah. that, that's a good way of looking at it yeah. because, like you said, it fits perfectly where it hides and stuff like that. Even it's like its body is right. kind of like very rib-like, but looks like tubing mm-hmm. or like machinery in the way. So I right. can definitely see Absolutely. that. Absolutely, that's a good theory. That's really nice. But yeah, James Cameron ruined that later. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Parker says he can get it in twenty minutes. Uh, Lambert asks who gets to go into the vent, and Ripley replies, "I do." Dallas says no, and her and Ash take the airlock, and Lambert and Parker will take care of that. We cut outside to the Nostromo, continuing going towards Earth. We cut back to Dallas in the main room uh, with Mother once again. We see the interface 2037 again, and then he requests evaluation of current procedures to uh, to terminate alien? Mother responds, unable to uh, compute. uh, Available data insufficient. He begins to type, and we see request options for possible procedure. Mother then responds with the same thing, unable to compute. That's when Dallas asks Mother one more time, what are my chances? Then we just get the word, does not compute, then get a zoom-in shot of Dallas. Uh, We cut to an alert going off, and Ripley and Ash, or we cut to an alert going on, and Ripley and Ash. Then we get a shot of Parker and Lambert in the vent. Uh, in the vent system with a bunch of vents opening. And I gotta say, the design even for like the vents and the way they open and the sound effects of it, A1. So good. Yeah, I, it's really cool how it kind of um, like opens metallic. up. It, it's kind of like, like a camera lens, right? When you're messing with the aperture, um, oh, yeah, which I thought call. was really cool. Um, but man, I felt claustrophobic. I can't deal with um, crawl spaces. Like, if you were to tell me to go in those vents, I couldn't do it. I would probably start like hyperventilating. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean, it's claustrophobia is always a weird thing, especially when when it comes into like film, uh, because you you have that sense of uh, of dread, and, and it really can play off of on the actor of how they feel. Yeah. Because we, we saw a lot of that in like Don't Breathe and in the in the descent. The descent. I know you were there for that, that episode, yeah. uh, David, for the descent. But initially, that that's one of those kind of things um, that you see and what you experience. You 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 get that that touch of claustrophobia, and it's it's very well done when you see it in film, especially mainly based off the fact that you do kind of get that sense of panic mm-hmm. in a way. 
and and not for them really. It, it's more so like panic. Like I wouldn't be able to fucking do that kind of panic. And it, it's it's very interesting on on how this is done. Yeah, right. and and when it comes to you know crawl spaces, those are that's like actually what I have nightmares about. Strangely, it's always oh, I go into a crawl space, I start going through it, and it gets narrower and narrower until I get stuck, and then I can't turn around mm. or just I can't move at all. It's so that's yeah, you're just wedged. Yeah, and. So when I see scenes like that in in movies, that's actually what really starts like creeping me out because I I I, f- I feel like it's closing in on me even though I'm just watching. But I think that's good. I'm right. I'm supposed to be scared, right? Right. I think for me, I'm I'm kind of scared of like claustrophobia for sure. I'm scared of like small tight spaces as well. And I'm just like they do a really good job of how they design these vents too. It it looks scary, not like a regular vent as well too. It's like metallic cold dark gritty yeah and just hearing those sounds it's like i don't want to be anywhere near that door if it closes on me that seems scary enough it's like, yeah it's a crazy design <laughs> fair enough uh we get cuts back and forth between them and the plan going underway dallas begins to close some of the vents to lure out the alien from the airlock to the airlock we, uh, we see Dallas in the vents opening different hatches and then tells Ripley to close all the hatches, uh, hatches behind him. Uh, Lambert starts to get a reading around the third junction and tells Dallas about it. He continues moving on. She then says it's right around there and to be careful. As, she pre- as he proceeds, he's using the flamethrower to clear his path and see where he's going and then finally reaching the third juncture. We see movement and beeping getting louder. She then tells Dallas that she lost a signal and it should be right there. Then we cut back to Dallas seeing some slime on the ground of the vent. She repeats, are you sure there's no sign of it? It is there. He continues to use the flamethrower to look around the vents. He says he wants to get out of there. And we uh, we get a quick cut back to him in the detector with the object in question moving closer to Dallas. Lambert starts to alert him. We see that it continues to get closer and closer, and she tells him to get out. He starts moving down the ladder, and as soon as he does, he turns around, and we get a jump scare of the xenomorph attacking him. And then we cut to black. Man. How scary is that? Love it. <laughs> Dude. It's, it, it, it's, it's just one of, it's one of those particular types of experiences that you kind of get that sense of full-blown dread. Right. Yeah. And that's what makes that so interesting for a science fiction movie. Because it's just like you have that sense of sci-fi. And, and don't forget, two years before this, you got Star Wars. So, like, when this initially kind of came out and you saw this fucking shit. <laughs> right. Oh, my Man. God. Oh, my God. It's just it's so, so well done. So well done. I think what does this scene a lot of justice do, uh, too, is the editing between going back from Lambert to Dallas and seeing how scared she is. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm the brave Absolutely. captain. And I'm getting scared. I want to get the fuck out of here too. And then you see the monitor mm-hmm. getting closer and closer. And right that was when a he really lands good off that scene. ladder, turns around, bam, it's there. And it just yeah, cuts. the effectiveness <sighs> of the radar is what really got me and it's what built that suspense. And I think right. that was such yeah. a perfect touch. It, there's a lot going on. Yeah, it's like on. A, like a heartbeat sensor. Right. Yeah, you, you hear the sound, you see the monitor, you see her reaction, you see his reaction. You don't know where he is, and you and see then, it. So, and it, it's it's funny because like you, it's not funny, but like you <laughs> kind of get this sense of like 
if it were to smile and just show its teeth or or something like it's just wow like just it's just all of this is just so well done because that's initially where you get the best look of it of this creature yeah. mm-hmm. and it's just it's just there and i i pause it on this scene every single time <laughs> because because it's just like it's just it's so so well done and you cannot fathom that i can't like believe this is from 1979 right like this creature looks better than half of the shit we get today for mm-hmm. sure easily and and it's so weird to think about and it's just even if you watch like covenant for example like you can tell that is a cgi alien xenomorph it looks good but it doesn't look like this you can tell this is a dude in a suit right <laughs> or an animatronic like it's just oh man well done oh uh, ridley scott man what wow he did such a good job wow <laughs> like i said i wow. like that it's very realistic because it is like either an animatronic or it is that guy in the suit because yeah. yeah it looks good right it does not look good in the sequels as good as this movie which is crazy to think about definitely not then we see ripley asking for dallas we hear nothing assuming he's dead at this point uh we cut to parker dropping the flamethrower in the table saying it was just laying there there was no blood no dallas Ripley says that there's no one has any other ideas. They're going to have to continue with Dallas's plan. Lumber says they should just abandon ship and take the shuttle and hope to get picked up. Ripley says the shuttle won't take four. And she replies that why don't we take, why don't we draw straws? Parker then jumps up and (laughs) says, we don't draw straws. I want to kill it. And he starts going towards the door. Ripley talks about killing it as, as Parker interrupts. And she says, and she tells him to shut up and listen. He begins to quiet down for a bit. She states it's using the air shafts. That's the main plan, is that we can do it and get it out of the air shaft and have it go into space. Parker agrees if it means killing it, he's down. She then asks about the weapons, and Parker says they just need a little bit of refueling, and he can take care of it. Ripley tells Ash to go with him, and Parker says no, and not to follow him as he leaves. Ripley asks Ash if he or Mother has any suggestions. He just begins to say... They're still uh, collating. She questions it and finds it hard to believe. She says that they have been doing nothing, and now that she has access to Mother, she will get her answers on her own. Uh, We are with Parker now on the edge, going down the hallway. Then back to Ripley, going to the main room where Mother is. She goes to the terminal and begins to type, but nothing immediately happens. Then we see the monitor again, with the interface 2037, ready for inquiry. Uh, she requests clarification, science, and ability to neutralize alien. The the words unable to clarify pops up. She types again, request enhancements. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like starting my words today. Request enhancement. No further enhancement. Special order 937. <laughs> T.Y., thank you. Science <laughs> officer eyes only. She continues. Reread. Emergency command override 100375. What is a special order 937? Then we see Nostromo rerouted to new co-coordinates. Investigate life form. Gather specimen. Priority one. Ensure return of organism for analysis. All other considerations secondary. Crew expendable. Damn. When I saw I this, I literally said out loud, damn. And at this point, I was <laughs> like, this force. is why... 
this is why I didn't fucking like Ash, and he was behind it the whole time. Dude. Right, because his eyes only. Dude. No one else knew. Mm-hmm. Man. But I wasn't expecting and, and, what was to come. Okay, you thought he was of just course. a shady guy. Yeah, I just thought he wanted to... He was doing this for profit. Like, he wanted to make this grand discovery, right. bring it back to Earth, and be the the one that, you know, made this discovery. Right. David, I'm so happy this is the first time you were watching this. <laughs> so <laughs> Me great. too. A lot of good surprises. I'm so happy that most of these movies are the first time David's True. watched all of these. <laughs> uh, we get a cut of Ripley, but she doesn't notice that Ash is now next to her in the room. Dancing her sees this information, he starts saying, there's an explanation. She jumps out of the chair and it starts to attack him and cries and then storms off. She begins to radio everyone, but no one answers. As she begins to walk to the next room, Ash closes the door, locking her in it. She asks for him to open the door, but just stares at her. She goes to the next door and then he closes that one too. You start to see this white liquid drip from his head. As she tries to run away, he grabs... Some of her hair ripping it off, and it begins to attack her, knocking her to the ground. We continue seeing some white liquid fall from his head at this point. And pretty much, David, what did you think was happening with like the white liquid? Did you think of anything or no? So I was so confused when he got... Ag- I mean, when he got aggressive, I was like, all right, this guy is, you know... Crazy. Pissed because he... Right. Well, I thought he was just upset because his plan was found out and he was scared that Ripley was going to share it with the rest of the crew, the last that, you know, has survived so far. And mm-hmm. um, when he started having this kind of superhuman-like strength, I started getting very, very confused, like with the hair ripping and all that. Right. Um, and then when I saw the white liquid, I was like, wait, is... Has the alien got into Ash? But from oh. what I've seen so far, um, the alien doesn't kind of possess people. It literally just kind no. of feeds on them. Right. <laughs> um, so I was very confused. But I was like, that white liquid is not sweat. What is going on? Um, and straight up, like when Ash grabbed Ripley and threw her over to like a bed and then there was like photos of naked chicks in the back. I'm like, is this fool going to fucking rape her? Like what the fuck is going on? And I was sure. freaking out. Um, Interesting. That's so cool. I, so I, yeah, yeah, I, I was so confused. I was so lost here, but I think that was the intent. I was supposed to be on the edge of my seat, not knowing what was happening. Right. Man. And then, and the scene, the scene's kind of long, right? Like, I mean, it, it breaks down fast, but like, it, it's it is it's long, a yeah. decent size, long scene. And, and and the fact that when the attacks start happening, and and um, and obviously Ripley's like, "Yo, what are you doing? Like, why are you so aggressive? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's so interesting of when he gets this crazy strength but i remember the first time seeing this and seeing the white liquid i was just like what what's happening yeah. here i thought he was a different species of, a, of an alien oh well, that's a good okay. call and i and i and i thought I, that's what i thought was kind of going on when something. i first watched it yeah. yeah exactly and and initially because i like i said i watched this in college so the my first initial watch of alien of an alien property in general was alien versus predator oh god and i know yeah it's seriously. fun um and no it's not and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and when 
when it, you see this in Alien versus Predator, the Predator bleeds white blood initially. Okay. So yeah. I thought I was like, I was like, oh, I wonder if this is like kind of like an Alien versus Predator kind of thing, and maybe it's a different type of species of an alien or something like that. And you know, then other shit starts going. I'm like, oh. It's getting wild. Let's get it. <laughs> uh, this is where we get this really nice uh, circular pan shot of Ash, then grabbing her from the ground, throwing her to the corner of the room. He looks down at her and gets a magazine and starts wrapping it around really tightly and then puts it in her this mouth. Was, this was gnarly. Suffocating yeah. her. The, when he was rolling up the the magazine, I'm like, are you, you going to spank her? Like, what is happening? <laughs> like, I was so confused. <laughs> and then when he like rolled it up and shoved it down her mouth i'm like well i don't think you're gonna rape her anymore like because you wouldn't be using the magazine (laughs) and i say that uh, as someone that is very afraid of the idea of rape and you know seeing that depicted on screen like it terrifies me um so i was relieved when i when he grabbed the magazine and started doing that i'm like okay good it's not going there right yeah and i feel like it's almost as bad as like suffocating someone with a magazine through their mouth yeah Damn. Now it gets gnarly Honestly, on a whole different level. Yeah. Honestly, I thought I thought it was actually going to be a little bit more gruesome than that. Like when I first saw that happening, I was just like, "Whoa, is he going to like take his palm of his hand and like start just smacking it oh, down yeah. deeper and deeper in her throat?" Like I, that's what I saw it because I mean, granted, like yeah, you're panicking and shit, but he wasn't like covering her nose. Yeah, and sure. so and I think you know, that was just like, it, more so of the time, right? Like I think if it was something right. made today, like it would have been something like that. Like it would have been like the right. magazines down her throat. Right, and I was just like, "Oh man, this is getting intense." And, it, and it's funny you even say that because of the times too, David. Because like this is like like in the slasher boom, yeah, oh, for sure. So you you were getting those types of kills, like you like. Gosh, in 1973, we had Black Christmas, right? And we got a freaking hook in someone's chin. That's a good point. Yeah. So it's so we were we were getting some some pretty wild, gnarly kills at that point in time. So it's like that. That's what made me think of it. Where I was like, oh man, I know. Like the 1970s was pretty intense for like the Italian horror stuff and things like that. So that was the first thing that popped into my head. And boy, would that have been intense? Yeah. But it didn't go there, so we don't have to worry about it. It went <laughs> so far. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's when Lambert and Parker come in asking what he's doing and tries to get him off her. He overpowers both of them and pushes Parker off to the side as he continues uh, suffocating Ripley. But Parker gets an extinguisher hitting Ash in the head. They're finally Hell able yeah. to get her up. Yeah, it's such a oh, good smart move. Good job, Parker. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Ash is on the ground moving around very sporadically at this point. We see that his head is almost popped off of his shoulders and makes a bunch of weird this noises. Scary. So good. Parker swings again. Yeah, Love I was scene. freaked out. Oh, man. But it just gets better and better. Like, it progressively shows more and more of, like, oh, wait, what is Ash? And you still don't get the question mm-hmm. answered right away, too. But uh, right. Parker swings again, hitting him over and over at this point. We see that Ash is not bleeding any blood but has a bunch of white tube-like things as veins and white liquid all inside him. He continues to twitch, and Parker starts to realize that he's a robot, and Ash jumps on top Ash of him. Ash is a robot? Right? <laughs> and I like that they knew what it was, too. Like, they knew that technology, and they found that out. Yeah. Right. More world Yeah, but at, but at the same time, they, they didn't know that the technology existed to initially doppelganger human, right? Like, it's just... It, because they were all super duper insanely shocked. 
So they didn't know the uh, at that point in time. Say, that's where you kind of got the whole conspiracy thing of like the government has more trade secrets than we know. I'll say yeah. Yes kind and of no. Knowing other movies because there have been robots prior to this timeline, but but for but for them maybe like yeah, I'm maybe saying like for for their world building yeah they didn't know that technology existed. That's that's what I I'm, think so. I'm referring to. Yeah, yeah, because like I because. Th- they were all shocked when he when they saw he was a robot. Oh, for sure. They weren't just like, "Oh shit, Parker was a robot," or uh, Ash was a robot, or something like that. It and was definitely a surprise. just like typical robots. Like they were all like super duper surprised. Yeah. Uh, this is when he continues to twitch, and Parker starts to realize that he's a robot, and then that's when Ash jumps on top of him one last time, and then Lambert is able to get him off by using the electrical prod earlier used in the movie. We cut to them opening Ash, and Parker asks why the company sent a robot. Ripley replies they must have wanted the alien for the weapon division, that he was there to protect it. They try to to plug him back on to see if he knows how to kill it. They stand him up, and the decapitated head begins to turn on and reactivate. He says that, can you hear me? She asks over again, and then he says, yeah, I can hear you. She asked what the special order was. He said that it would bring back the alien life was the priority. Parker says, that damn company. What about our lives, you son of a bitch? <laughs> Great line. So sick. Uh, he then says all did other... This, pr- did this remind you guys... No, Sorry. Did. Uh, I was just going to ask, did this remind you guys of uh, Reanimator at all? Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think about that in the moment. But now that you say mm-hmm. it, of course... Yeah, it's just oh my god, it just it, like that whole thing just always makes me think of like when that that head first comes mm-hmm. off and you just oh god when you hear him talk it's fantastic. Sorry, it, it's so right. well done too. It looks good. Like it doesn't look like it's looks so good. And it's not prosthetic or anything look like that. It's, he was probably right. at the table and his head sticking out, but like it was right, so course. clean. Yeah, like you can't tell. It was just yeah. so perfectly done. Uh, he then says all priorities are recited. Ripley asks how to kill it, and Ash says, you can't. That they don't know what they're dealing with. That it's the perfect organism. Then he continues, its structural perfection is matched only by its hostility. Lambert says he admires it, and he says, I admire its purity. A survivor, uncluttered by conscience, remorse, or delusion of morality. Damn. Those lines. Wow. Freaking haunting. It's very interesting because uh, it very much seemed like there is data on this creature already. Mm-hmm. At least that's how mm-hmm. I took it as. But we won't spoil anything for other movies. <laughs> 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 but yeah, this company up to no good. Uh, before they pull his truck, he has one last word. He says that he can't lie about their chances, but he has their sympathies. What a badass way to go. It's like, dude, he said <laughs> yeah. it so smug. Right. I was like, Seriously. damn, robots like, have happy. feelings. Oh, for sure. <laughs> AI is crazy. Mother has feelings. <laughs> uh, Ripley unplugs him and says they will blow up the ship and take their chances in the shuttle. Parker burns Ash with the flamethrower and we cut to the next scene. Damn. Fantastic scene. One of my favorite scenes. Hell yeah. It's awesome, man. Uh, I love this shit. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have to say it again, but yeah, I, I love it too. 
Uh, we cut back to them walking down the hallways. Ripley asks how long they will flip the switch, and Parker says 10 minutes. She says that they will need to, to have some coolant for the air supply in the system in the shuttles. Uh, she tells them to go get the coolant, and as she gets the shuttle ready, to meet back in 7 minutes and blow, the, uh, blow this fucker off into space. Ripley starts to get things ready on the shuttle and begins to undock the procedures for the shuttle to leave. She then hears a cat meow and says, Jonesy? We are now with Lampert and Parker. Parker on watch and her getting the coolant. That's when we cut back to Ripley still looking for the cat and the other two finishing up. So we get that quick cut back and forth between the two groups. Um, Lampert is pushing the cart with the supplies and Parker tells her to check the bottles. Ripley continues to look for the cat as we go back and forth between them, and she starts to look at the cat uh, on the bridge at this point. She gets a nice jump scare and finally was able to pick up that cat. This cat is always up to no good, man. Just doesn't <laughs> listen. Just doesn't listen. Does he called? I mean, cats don't listen. That's true. They don't. <laughs> He's probably freaking out, too. He wants to survive. I'm sure, yeah. He's just trying to hide. He's like, I hate humans. Well, my cat's freaking aliens. out. I'm not chasing it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not. We cut back to the other two, Parker and Lambert, and Lambert is against the wall finishing what she needs to get done. Then we get this great framing shot of her in a spotlight design, and we see a shadow of the alien taking over the lighting of the room. She turns around and notices something there off screen, and we see Parker's reaction, seeing the fear in her eyes. That's when we see Ripley hearing over the radio of Parker saying, get out of the way, it's going to kill us, and Lambert's saying she can't. I love how they use this, by the way, too. That she can hear what's going on, but as the viewer, we're not watching it. Smart. Right. Uh, we get this amazing over-the-shoulder shot of Lambert with the alien slowly rising into the shot. And we get this nice face-off shot right after. Parker's still asking her to get out of the way. Meanwhile, Ripley just can't is continuing to hear what's going on. Parker tries to attack the alien, but it gets quickly knocked down onto the ground. We see Ripley quickly running into action, going down the hallways at this point. We see the alien is taking its famous kill shot of opening its mouth, revealing another mouth shooting forward into Parker's head. Bam. Hell yeah. And then there was two. Hell yeah. Uh, then Love that. Yeah, it's another like That first initial too. kill that you... That kill you get from that, it's just so cool. It's just... Yeah. It's just, it, it, it worked perfectly. And it, it's just that whole aspect of, like, was that necessary? No. It did not need to do that. <laughs> like, it probably could have killed it. Definitely killed him some other type of way. But it was just so cool and so unexpected. And it, it, it built it up once again. Or it's just like, what type of creature are we dealing with? Right. Absolutely fantastic. Okay, it's, it's, a, it's a design feature that they chose to go with that they, like you said, didn't need. Yeah. But it creates right. this scary figure character that's not... That's, right. It's crazy. It has two mouths, essentially. Yeah, you're right. Oh, man. Love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> then we see a terrified Lambert facing the alien again with its tail slowly rising behind her between her legs and all we hear is a scream. Back to run. Uh, then we cut back to Ripley running, not knowing what has happened. Through the radio, we just hear a series of noises and screams coming from Lambert, only assuming what may be going on. 
Now everything is quiet, and Ripley begins to investigate the room that they were in. She starts to see the carnage there and starts to run back. She starts pulling all of the necessary switches to blow up the ship. A hatch starts to open, and the emergency destruction system is there. She enters the code and starts the self-destruction uh, self sequence. The alarm starts blaring, and it has been activated, and the ship will blow up in 10 minutes, and there's only 5 minutes to stop the process if necessary. She begins to run back to the shuttle, but stays very alert. We hear the option to override automatic de uh, detonation expires in 3 minutes now. As she is about to turn the next hallway, she sees the alien is there. And I just put here that like the flashing and the lighting of the scene is really good. Like It's well done. It's crazy. It's a really good touch. And it, it adds to the to the intensity of what's going on. Right. Right. Uh, she begins to run the other direction. The alert comes back on saying the override option only has one minute left. She gets closer to where the override is, where we hear the countdown from 30 seconds. She begins the sequence to override, and then 10 seconds are left, and it ends before she can complete the entire transaction. She only had a few seconds away from completing it as well. She screams at Mother to make it stop, but it won't, and she tells Mother, you, you bitch, and breaks some consoles. It's great. Mother, you bitch. <laughs> it, it's crazy because this sets a lot of good like tension in this like countdown, 10 more seconds. You can see that she's almost done with all of the sequences. <laughs> I'm just like, fantastic. Yeah, woman versus machine. Pretty good stuff. <laughs> Always. The thing Love she it. started ends up destroying her. Uh, she begins oh. running back to the shuttle at this point. She ends up going back where she saw the alien previously and notices that, that the alien is no longer there. She quickly picks up the cat and heads inside the shuttle. As she closes the door, we see a series of explosions and we have the announcement that there's only one minute until self-destruction. She quickly starts the undocking process and we see her lowering away. The 30-second countdown begins as she departs. Still under the ship, she's going forward, and she starts hearing the se uh, seconds come down to 10, 9, 8, and all the way to 1 as she sees the Nostromo blow up from afar. And I put here, this is like the only part where I say it still stays uh, dated, I would say. The explosion was not the best. But Yeah. Yeah. That's a, yeah. yeah th there's th this is where things you start to notice a couple of things that are definitely dated for sure. Now I'll, I'll say my next part of when, when you see another dated spot for okay, sure. For sure. And that's when she <laughs> says, and the great line, I got you, you son of a bitch. She picks up the cat <laughs> and starts getting the uh, sleeping pod ready to sleep. She puts the cat in it and the pro uh, the pod door starts to close. She begins to get ready herself and begins to undress. We see her turning some switches, and then we see that the alien has made its way in the shuttle as well. She quickly runs and hides into the locker with the spacesuit. She looks at the alien as it slowly moves around. She starts to get inside the spacesuit inside the locker. We get this creepy shot of the alien mouth reaching out into the distance. She finishes putting on the spacesuit and grabs the helmet and pack and turns it on. She also grabs a harpoon gun. Uh, she leaves the locker. I'm telling you, this scene is horny, bro. <laughs> the only thing <laughs> like, is, it definitely is. I bro, think the scene's horny. I think this scene showed that she was getting comfortable and she was showing uh, vulnerability that she feels yeah, like she's it, safe. Oh yeah, she, she was like, "I won. 
I can let my guard down. Like, yeah, like I let my guard down. It can and the it, defense you know? mechanism physically. Exactly. Right. It's it's yeah. a yeah. it's a physical representation of that. Exactly. But yes, it, it was shout out to her shoes though, because <laughs> her shoes were fire, bro. Those chucks, clean. True that. True that. They That's were out of this say. world. Her Reeboks in the in the second in the in Aliens too, fire. <laughs> the shoe game was still lit in the future. Bro, fire. Same with the fire. classics. She's killing the fucking game. Killing the game. Uh, she leaves the locker and moves to a chair, buckling herself in. She says, you're my lucky star, and repeats, lucky, lucky, lucky star. She turns on some of the vents to agitate it, and it gets the alien out of the wall, and it begins to scream. As it starts getting out of the wall, it begins to stand up, and Ripley turns around as the alien gets closer. She repeats the lucky star line, feeling the alien right behind her. As she peeks behind her, she sees that the alien is right there, and she screams as she opens the airlock. The alien is able to catch itself on the airlock doors before going into space, and Ripley just looks at it one final time before shooting the harpoon gun, blasting it away. Uh, the airlock door... This part was a little dated. A little bit. Yeah. It was still bad ace. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because like, you, you could tell, it's like, oh, this is a dude in a suit. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> True. When he was hanging out there, he's like, oh, <laughs> gets I wanted to ask I just you guys... Him screaming. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to ask you guys, what's up with her singing? The little star stuff? Oh, the lucky stars? Yeah. yeah. I just think it was a calming thing. You think it was just to calm her down? I think so. Something got it. Yeah, something like a mantra. Got it. In a way. Yeah, because I was you know? I was thinking, yeah. girl, aren't aren't you being loud? Like, what if it's gonna notice you because you're you know singing? <laughs> well, like that was that was her whole point too, though. She she wanted it to come out so she can do that, right? Oh, that makes so. a lot more sense. Yeah, man. But yeah, it's a good little phrase, you know. Yeah, I think it was both to uh, lure it out and also to calm herself down. And maybe give herself some yeah. good luck at the same time because she kept on saying lucky, lucky afterwards right. too. Okay, I could yeah. see it. Yeah. Uh, the airlock door closes behind the alien, and the alien is still able to grab part of the ship and tries to go through the thruster. And Ripley turns it on and burns it into space. She is saved. And then we hear the great voiceover of her. Final report of the commercial starship Nostromo, third officer reporting. The other members of the crew... Kane, Lambert, Parker, Brett, Ash, and Captain Dallas are dead. We now see her in the chair in the shuttle. She continues, Cargo and ship destroyed. I should reach the frontier in about six weeks. With a little luck, the network will pick me up. This is Ripley, last survivor of the Nostromo, signing off. She pets the cat and we cut to her going into the sleeping pod. Then it fades to black, to the stars in space... And credits. Wow. Yay! Wow, I'm disappointed wow, wow. in Ripley. I actually love how this movie ends. I'm disappointed so in Ripley wow. because I feel like the cat is carrying another alien, but I don't know. <laughs> watch Aliens. But yeah, no, this, aliens. This, this movie was fun. I'm happy that I finally got to watch it. Man. I'm happy you got to watch it too. I'm, I'm really stoked that, that this was definitely on the list for you. Yeah. Uh, David, what do you think this is in your like top horror movies or no? I, be I, honest, I, you're good. You're okay. So you don't make me cry it's too much. not, it's not gonna be one of my favorites, but I appreciate this movie and I could see how it's, it's a, 
it's an important foundation, right? I think this movie yeah. paved the way for a lot of other films and it sure. inspired many other different aspects of media. Um, because I, I mean, like when I thought of gritty sci-fi growing up, I was very much more into video games and films. I, I think of Metroid and I see all the, the inspiration that Nintendo and the developers of uh, Metroid have gotten from this. So it was really, really cool to go back and see that. It's one of those movies where, because it's such a big name, subconsciously, I can't fight this. I will always have high expectations because it's so well-regarded. But it's one of those movies that um, hit what I expected it to hit. And a lot of movies that are in such grand scale of name regard, it usually uh, misses the bar for me. So I give it props for that. Sure. Nice. That's awesome. I, I can see That's that. Awesome. Yeah. It's it it's once well, it's definitely not one of my favorites uh, or top horror films. It, it's it's up there though. It, it, I love this movie a lot. But sci-fi horror is one of my least favorite genres just because of of how uh, how fantastical certain things are going to have to be um, in order to to really portray that story. Um, but at the same time, I love this movie. I think this movie is fantastic. I watch it almost every year. Like it, it's so good, uh, but yeah, I mean, this movie's fucking rad as shit. I love this shit. I can imagine the uh, rest of the movies in the series kind of go off the wall. That's what I'm expecting. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. they turn yeah. into action films. That's what, exactly what I expect. Yeah. Right. And that's why I wanted Covenant to be, you know, going back to the roots because it seemed like it was, but that first initial half of that movie is this movie and then it's a completely different movie after that and it's just like okay it's it's a movie that's not (laughs) great but it has great moments in it it had potential especially like prometheus but i see prometheus as a completely separate entity away from the alien franchise me too uh i see more the covenant being more tied into this movie for sure than prometheus oh yeah of course prometheus absolutely had to happen to have these movies to begin with uh but not going into that but you guys know how I feel about the movie I love this movie like I said I can watch this several times Um, I own it couldn't find the blu-ray I just bought it again on iTunes I don't care because I yeah love it (laughs) like I said I even named my Apple TV mother I think even my two-step verification card for work is called mother as well so yeah I love this that's funny (laughs) but nice Guys, please let us know how you guys feel about this movie on Twitter at Goodnight Life. That's night with a Oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Where's the, where are the movie facts at? Oh, yeah. We got movie facts. Good call. I'm so sorry, guys. Before you tell us how movie you feel facts. about this movie, we got movie facts. And movie there's, facts? There's some, there's some weird movie facts in this, to be honest. But let's talk about it. <laughs> Fact number one. Shredded condoms were used to create tendons of the beast's ferocious jaws. Makes sense. Great. Now that's what I'm going to think of every time I use a condom. <laughs> like, he's got condoms in his mouth. That's Makes weird. Uh, the chest bursting scene was filmed in one take with four cameras. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. In one take. That's awesome. That's crazy. That's awesome. Uh, the dead face hugger that Ash uh, uh, does the autopsy was made using fresh shellfish, four oysters, and a sheep kidney to recreate the internal organs. So, David, you were pretty spot on about, like, the water creatures. Ding. Yeah. Gross. <laughs> Probably smelled so bad. I know. That's what I'm thinking, too. <laughs> uh, ooh. The original cut for this movie ran three hours and 12 minutes. Ooh. 
I would have been okay with that. Lord of mercy. To be honest. <laughs> I bet you would. <laughs> <laughs> also, I don't know if... Prince, have you seen the deleted scenes? I have not, no. no. So Dallas in the deleted scenes is very much not alive when he dies, but he's alive because that's why they didn't find any blood, just the flamethrower. The alien took him to another room filled with eggs inside the Nostromo. <gasps> nice. And they planted the one of the aliens in his stomach. <gasps> Crazy. That's, that's awesome. a deleted scene for you guys. Duh. That definitely I mean, should have been a part of this. He still didn't make it out because the ship blew up, but yeah. Well, of course, the ship blew up. Yeah. Uh, the Xenomorph has only four minutes of screen time, and it doesn't make its first appearance until an hour into the movie. Damn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that shit, man. I like it when, when it's just that nice, nice, the right time. Now is the right time. Yeah, to agree. That's perfect. I, I like that. That's perfect. I like going back and hearing trivia that the screen time was actually fairly short. Like we're talking minutes. Cause then you're like, damn, it's crazy when you hear that because in comparison to how much I was just thinking about it, it made me feel like I saw right. it throughout the whole film. Right. Oh, Absolutely. for sure. Yeah. Um, they also said, keeping up the, I guess the common theme, the slime used for alien was KY jelly. <laughs> Interesting. Ew. Uh, really Scott. <laughs> yeah. I got some questions for you, man, about how you make your movies. Uh, Ew, that's gross. I did not expect that. Speaking of like Ridley Scott, though, Ridley Scott did all of the handheld camera work himself. So he was the camera guy. Oh, wow. That's pretty crazy. That's cool. That's pretty cool. That's wow. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, I got maybe a couple more. Let me see here. So, speaking about like what influenced it, Ridley Scott cites three movies as the shaping influences for this movie. So, this is how you kind of felt. Star Wars, Episode uh, 4, A New Hope, 2001, A Space Odyssey, and the depiction of outer space for that, for 2001, A Space Odyssey, and then they use Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the 1974 version of it, Aha, for its treatment of horror. I knew it. Mm. You did know it. <laughs> I knew it. This is why I didn't make this movie, but I knew it. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, too. Man. Where is it? I lost it. Oh, yeah. Harrison Ford turned down the role as Captain Dallas. So it could have been very Star Wars. Thank fucking God. <laughs> I'm so glad he turned it down. Because I that would have been too much. I agree. Like, you know, he's on he's on the high of Han Solo. Like, nah, that would this that wouldn't have worked. I'm glad he turned it down. The, yeah, no, he would have been too big perfect. of a name. Perfect. Oh, for sure. And I'll end it with this one because I think this is one of the biggest things that made this movie so great probably when it first came out. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Coming right off that? Absolutely. Uh, to preserve the shock value of the alien's appearance, no production images of the alien were ever released, not even to the author, as they wrote the novelization of the movie. So everything was a secret. Oh, that's so cool. Man. That's so cool. What? I love that. A movie, man. I love this movie so much. What a ride. <laughs> but now, guys, after hearing the fun facts, too, please let us know how you guys feel. Uh, reach out to me. Reach out to David. Reach out to Prince. Hit us up on the Good Night Life, um, and that's Night with a K, on Twitter. Please let us know. Uh, I just want to say that our next movie will be The Monster by Brian Bertino, continuing our Creature Feature Month. So stay tuned for that as well. But this was Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I was one of your hosts, Freddie. 
also known as Nighty Night. And alongside me, we had Prince. Whoop whoop! A whoop whoop! Also known as Head Night. And on the other side of the webs, we had David. Stay spoopy. Also known as Nightly, and always staying spoopy. Our efforts to get our show is out is not enough. We need your help to spread out to more ghoulish nights. Reading us five stars is very helpful, but we would love for you to recommend our podcast to someone who would actually enjoy it. You can further support the show at patreon.com slash goodnightlife, and that's night with a what? K. Nice. By pledging on Patreon, you will have access to our show as early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. Our new episode will release every Friday on most podcast services around the world. And you guys, always remember, don't forget your nightlight. <laughs>